0: Nestled on the western edge of Port Phillip Bay, an hour and a half's drive from the deadly intrigues of Melbourne, lies Gateway City, the hub of the region, G-Town. The last four decades, an uneasy peace has existed between the Anarchs and Camarilla in G-Town. Their borders meeting on Bruce Street in the very centre of the city, the two sects divide the domain neatly in two. The native Anarchs, consolidated in the industrial north, have learned to tolerate Prince Aveline and her Camaria invaders, and she in turn grants all Anarchs the right to hunt and conduct business in her waterfront domain. Anarch rabble-rousers and Camarilla traditionalists each afford their counterparts a reluctant respect. Until now. Word from Melbourne has reached the kindred of G-Town. Prince Squizzy wages a war on three fronts against a newly reorganized Anarch faction to butt infiltrators and the onslaught of the Second Inquisition. As refugees from both sects flood into Gateway to escape the oncoming chaos, local tensions flare, and the truce that has maintained peace since 1983 will be pushed To its limits. Welcome to Lords of G Town, a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat Podcast with music by Kevin McLeod, White Bat Audio, Ivan Duch, and Jaxius Music. Now, the sun sets on the city and the blood stirs. Let's see what horrors the kindred face this night. Hello everyone. Welcome to a brand new campaign vampire the masquerade lords of g this is a pseudo sequel to our melbourne campaign war for the second city and some of the aftermath of that campaign will become a plot point in this one but Having played or listened to that campaign should not be necessary to understand or enjoy the main storyline in this one. This is an entirely different city, a different domain with a brand new cast of characters. I am your storyteller, Dale or Dark Gaia. And without further ado, Let's get straight into it. Nestled on the western edge, of Port Phillip Bay, an hour and a half's drive from the deadly intrigues of Melbourne, lies a verdant wetland peninsula, christened by the native Wadarung people as Geelong, a tongue of land. Here, in October of 1838, Surveyor W.H. Smythe would, for the first time, record the existence of a humble wool farming town of 545 that would eventually become the state's second most populous city, a sprawling coastal gateway to regional Victoria known as Geelong, G-Town. At least that's how it happens in our world. In the world of darkness, the shadows are longer, and antediluvian monsters shape humanity in their image, where the horrors of colonialism left an even greater blemish on the lands down under, history took a slightly different course. Rising to prominence as a stopover between Melbourne and the goldfields of Ballarat and Bendigo during the gold rush, Gateway City quickly established itself as the rail and shipping hub of western victoria a status it still holds in these nights with rapid industrial growth in the early 20th century gateway leveraged its status as a transportation hub to become the nation's greatest exporter of wool products fertilizers and whiskey the post-war period brought with it increased interest from foreign concerns culminating in the establishment of G-Town's iconic family auto manufacturing plant in the 1930s and the construction of Endron International's oil refinery in 1956. Tonight, G-Town is home to over 400,000 mortal souls, and is consistently hailed as Australia's fastest growing city. Tonight, you are one of the kindred that calls this place home So, in G-Town, being an unusual domain where the Camarilla and the Anarchs live in something close to Harmony, there's a special arrangement. That arrangement is that every newly embraced fledgling in G-Town is placed into the care of a La Sombra by the name of Samantha Stokes. Her official title is Consul. She's nominally a member of the Camarilla, but she serves as a go between between the two sects, maintaining ties within the Cam and the Anarchs. Her official duties extend to. establishing business deals and settling disputes between the two sects. And it is she who trains every new neonate in the city, ensuring that they understand the traditions of the Camarilla, and also the myriad ideologies of the city's Anarchs. So that when they are released into the city, They are free to choose what role they wish to take in this rather unique kindred hierarchy. Samantha Stokes has been your mauler, your mentor. She has trained you in the ways of undead night-to-night existence. She has taught you how to feed, taught you how to respect the traditions, taught you how to employ your disciplines for hunting or self-defense. And tonight she releases you for the very first time to hunt, on your own to show her that you are ready to enter kindred society and function as autonomous neonates. December 31st, 1154 PM, 1999. Sip, sip, hooray is a bar in G Town. It's not a particularly nice bar. It's just slightly too far from the glitz and glamour of the waterfront and downtown for that. In fact, it's kind of a shithole, but it has cheap beer, loud music, and a dance floor. And for these reasons, 113 humans have chosen to spend the last night of the millennium here. They bounce, scream, laugh, and cry. A mess of flesh, glitter, joy, and grief. But they're not alone. You're here too. So who are you? Let's introduce ourselves and our characters. And when you introduce yourself, Please explain to me why you've chosen this particular place to spend the last night of the millennium. Let's go with
1: Alt. Hi, um, I'm Alt. Uh, I'm going to be playing uh, Valerie Harding um, in this game. Now, uh, she's come to sip sip because uh she's a little bit tired of the regular places she's been going they're a bit tapped out there aren't many um unfortunates to spend time with and rub shoulders with um so she thought of all places this is probably the one where there's going to be somebody a little bit desperate for some attention yeah And what does valerie look like um so she's uh, quite a well uh, well-to-do woman uh, she wears a smart open collared white shirt with a little bit little bit of ruffling around the neck and decorative cuffs um a single button black blazer matching black pants and black dress shoes uh she always wears the blazer slightly open and she has uh shoulder-length black hair uh parted directly in the center and tucked behind each ear
0: yeah so samantha stokes as part of her training you to be a vampire supervises your hunting at a rather small selection of the same locations and for the last year for most of your unlife so far you've essentially only been allowed to hunt at pre selected spots and yeah you've pretty much tapped out All of the stock available there. And you've decided to be a bit adventurous tonight. The first time you've been allowed to hunt on your own. And you've chosen a place where you know the specific type of... ...love-lorn soul will be waiting for you. Demiurge, you're up next.
2: So... Sitting at the bar with an untouched drink is a uh, older gentleman, somewhere in his 60s. He's got uh, iron gray hair. He's got a broad brimmed hat that he's taken off. It's an old leather hat. It's so old that the leather's cracked and started to peel. And there's like a uh, pack pack of cigarettes in the brim. He's, uh, Wearing a, a leather duster, got some good fade to trail on it. He's mm, stocky. There was muscle, a lot of muscle there once, but it's gone to kind of to pot, and a pot's like what his belly is. <sighs> <laughs> but uh, he's still fairly tall. He's got long, like a wild Bill style mustaches that droop down under his chin a little bit of a goatee, is it? And a bit of a five o'clock shadow going on. Calloused hands, kind of cracked face. Sun's done a number on it. Still looks kind of pale for all that. And right now he's, like, uh, pushing the bar napkin around and staring mournfully at the little trivia thing, which he's slowly covering up with napkin so he doesn't have to look at that electronic distracting thing. <laughs> And they what... wouldn't let him take his dogs in, so he's kind of pissed off of that. This is Tig Dunson.
0: Tig Dunson. Yeah, and Tig, you've chosen this place, I think, because it's a little bit less modern, a little bit more downtrodden than some of the upmarket establishments on the waterfront. And, you know, this is the sort of place where Tig would probably be more likely to down a few drinks back when he was human. It has more of the atmosphere of the local pub than the type of bar that upwardly mobile young professionals would spend their Christmas bonuses at. This
2: is this place where working people let their hair hang down. Yeah. So I'm alright with it. Uh, Although although Tig isn't too comfy with the idea of feeding on people in general. Yeah. So he's still trying to figure out what to do about that.
0: Alright, so let's go on to Paradox. Hmm? Please introduce your character what they look like and what they're doing here tonight.
3: Uh, we see a sort of a a darker skinned woman in her presumably early thirties, sort of meandering around the bar, maybe looking for someone to dance with. Uh, They have medium length medium length purple hair that runs down there runs down with a purple lipstick to match. They've Piercings pretty much all over their face. Their ears are full of them. There's at least one in their nose, one in their eyebrow. i eh. looking at their visual reference. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Wearing a... denim vest over some just, like, fairly casual clothes. With the vest having a series of patches and pins all stuck to it. And they have, and they have a small scar on the left side of their mouth. And this is... uh, as is As she was known after her death, Bouncer.
0: Bouncer. And is there any particular reason why she's joined the rest of the group at Sip Sip Hooray this night? Last night of the second millennium AD?
3: Uh... Probably because it's cheap booze, which makes people susceptible and highly suggestible to doing stupid things. Yeah, exactly. Makes for it. It sounds like it should be an easy hunt. Yeah.
0: All right. And Mm -hmm. finally. Well, there is one more player, but they won't be introduced till next scene. Mm -hmm. So we'll move to our newest player. And we are happy to welcome to our group Vinny. Vinny, please explain who you are and why you've been dragged to G Town's shittiest bar.
4: Um, so my character is Mitch. He is kind of tall and gangly, like a very He just looks kind of like a stereotypical nerd you might see in a movie. Uh, He has that kind of like nervous animal expression all the time. He has green eyes and kind of ginger hair and is generally very pale. He has some white freckles. Um, He was kind of getting on his sire's nerves tonight. So his sire was like, why don't you go do something else? And he found himself at this bar, which he never really went to in life, but had heard about. So he figured that it might as well be a cheap way to get out of his sire's hair for tonight.
0: Yeah. And the rest of Samantha's neonates have chosen this place to hunt. Perhaps for their own reasons, or maybe because Samantha has orchestrated events to bring you all together on this night in this place. Whatever the reason, here you are. And all around you it's 100 odd mortal souls are uh, making sure the millennium goes out with a bang. Within the pits of your stomachs. Your beasts. ever-present manifestation of bestial hunger the predator within you that is always there has been a constant companion since you died grumbles sniffs the air anticipation growls like a rabid dog that smelled fresh meat. You're hungry. The hunger is always there. But if there's one thing Samantha has made sure to nail into your heads over the last year, It is how to deal with this hunger responsibly, how to take only what you need and nothing more, and how to do it in a way that will not breach the masquerade, the code of secrecy that all kindred live by, a set of loose rules and laws that keeps their existence hidden. From the mortals. And so as as you acknowledge the presence of your beasts and set your minds towards satisfying the predator's urge, I would like everybody to please go ahead and make a wits plus awareness roll for me to take stock of. This bar and see what your options are so Vinny, if you don't know how to do this you count up what your wits is and you count up what your awareness is and then you roll that many d10s and each d10 that is a six or higher is a success
1: right uh, how much hunger do we start with in this game by the way
0: hunger Hunger is irrelevant at this point, so don't bother All don't right, worry cool. with hunger dice. This is just the prelude.
2: So assume one, basically.
4: Yeah, assume okay. one. Uh that's a I four for me. Four? Oh wit's awareness. Yep, with awareness.
2: So three from Tig. Three
0: from Tig and Mitch.
2: Don't have his cheaters on, but he can still notice things. Uh. (laughs) Oh, please, bot. Ah,
0: yes. You might not know how to use the bot, so we have a bot in Lucky Dice, and the syntax. Oh no, you're rolling it. Two successes, fantastic. All right. Mm. Um. So, Tig, you're up at the bar. And you're nursing a drink in your hands, nursing the glass. And Samantha's showed you how to cause the dead blood that sits languid in your veins to pump once again, to feign life, bring colour back into your pallid skin and imitate the normal living functions of a human being you're able to drink and yet a stiff lager in your hand doesn't taste quite how it did in life one of many luxuries you've had to sacrifice
2: instead this this is almost american
0: yeah almost american instead You've been contemplating the woman behind the bar. The bar's being manned by a middle-aged woman with short, spiky red hair. The denim vest has no sleeves, but that doesn't matter because she has two full arms of tattoos to make up for it. She looks over at you and she says, you've been nursing that same drink for the last hour. Now, by the looks of you, you're no stranger to down and some strong shit. My bartender sense tells me there's something on your mind. And hey, new year, new you and all that. No time better than now to lay all your sorrows down on the table and deal with them.
2: Well, if you're offering, I'll take you up on that. It's a nice tat, he says, pointing at uh, a uh, pair of eyes with a shaved eyebrow above one of them. Well, my youngest daughter's got one like it. No clue what it means, but looks good on her. Yeah, I'll take you up on it. <laughs> You ever had your life, you ever think you had life figured out and then everything gets turned upside down?
0: She looks into your eyes and she smiles, flashing tobacco-stained teeth, and she says, Yeah. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Although, for me, it was a little bit different.
2: Go on. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, it's just, I figured, you know, uh, do my duty, do good, find find the love of my life, which I did, run a good business, good, clean, honest business, which I did, have some kids, which I did, and then sell back, wait for the grandkids (laughs) to roll in and die happy, and then I did. So now, I reckon I got to find something else long term, like you know. Notice that she. I mean, it's a new millennial It's a new, it's new millennial. I, I got to start it off right. I got to find something, otherwise. Otherwise, what's it all, be- all been for? Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly, she says, smiling. And you notice that she doesn't quite pick up on the fact that you said you wanted to die happy. Then you did. And she then gives, you didn't. And then you didn't. Then you didn't. She gives you... a sort of knowing smile... And then she sighs, and she says, look. way I see it, uh, Mr. Holds out a
2: hand. Lucky, oh. by the way. Oh. oh. Wait, I'm lucky or you're lucky? Well, either way, I'm Tig Dunson, and I'm pleased to meet you. Make you acquaintance.
0: As I said, lucky, she says. Nice to meet you, Tig. Look, listen, Tig. You seem to be a pretty nice guy. Sounds like you had your life in order. Sounds like you had everything you ever wanted and... Well, she smiles, peers down at the drink that you've barely touched and she says, Just because you're a bloodsucker don't mean you have to give up on all that.
2: Tig's eyes go wide.
0: Yeah, I know what you are, says Lucky. And no, I don't care. My hunting days are behind me. As long as you don't cause a scene in my bar, you're welcome. Just remember, Tig. Just because they say you're a monster doesn't mean that you are. Take that into this new millennium. And you'll find... Yourself, much more agreeable to your current situation.
2: Tick just kind of sits there, stunned, for a moment. And he takes a gulp of his beer.
0: <laughs> so next, we move on to Valerie. Valerie, you're standing over at the other side of the bar, and you're just leaning up against the wall, arms folded, scanning, scanning the commotion around you. At the back of the bar, an Elvis impersonator is on stage. The rhinestone-studded masterpiece of plastic surgery. He thrusts and wiggles and shimmies in all the right ways. His singing is not quite on key, but his admirers don't seem to mind. A shower of plastic roses and underwear rain down as he bellows out the last lines of unchained malady. And in front of him, a drag queen. Dressed as Cleopatra is dancing on one of the tables. Blue eye shadow and plastic beads shine in the strobe lighting. The voguing is incredible, despite a pair of truly terrifying heels. There's a stripy toy snake wrapped around her neck. The drag queen, The drag queen, Cleopatra, catches your eye. And she smiles and she says Dah, you're just standing there Standing there watching. Come over, come and dance with all of us. To end of the millennium. Come on, let your hair down.
1: Uh so Valerie, <coughs> Valerie uh meets her gaze and calls back to her. Oh yes, I'm having plenty of fun from back here. Um, give me a moment. Give me a moment. I'll, I'll join you. I'll join you in just a minute. And uh, makes her way across to the bar to um, uh, get the bartender to pour um, two shots—one for herself and one for somebody she hasn't met yet.
0: As the middle-aged woman Lucky slides the two steins over the counter, she looks at you stern look on her face meets you in the eyes and she says i know what you are blood sucker you're gonna hunt here you make sure you don't take more than what you need uh so Valerie meets her gaze
1: and tilts her head very slightly to the side her eyes maybe just slightly too wide uh with big green iridescent eyes uh looking back and a small grin creeps across her face. I'm not going to make a mess, don't you worry. I always clean up after myself.
0: You best take care you do, says Lucky. Buying a drink for Cleopatra, are we? She'll appreciate that. Running up her tab. It's around about 400 bucks now, by my account. Been in here every night for the last three weeks. (laughs) She'll appreciate a free drink. She winks. As you carry the drinks over to the table, hold out your hand, offering one to Cleopatra, and she takes it, strokes the head of her toy copperhead python, and smiles, winking. Ah, ta, darling. takes a sip out of the glass and she says no one's bought me a drink this whole night. Guess old Cleopatra's moves scares him off, eh?
1: I wouldn't sell yourself short. I'd at least 50% blame the Elvis impersonator.
0: Yeah, singing's not too great, is he? Tell you what, though, the music's there, and I can move to the music. I can jive to that," says Cleopatra. She pats, pats the table in front of her, inviting you to sit down, and you do. And as you begin to nurse your own drink, she looks down at you and she says, "So, see what you're wearing. See the look about you. And I can tell this ain't your regular scene. So." brings a girl like you to a place like this on the last night of the year. You
1: could say I'm down on my luck at the moment. Um, haven't had a lot of clientele lately. I thought I'd love some steam somewhere new, somewhere I haven't shown my face before.
0: Oh, tell me about it, says Cleopatra. Not many in this town who enjoy my performance. But i've always got an appreciative eye over in this place don't let the roughness scare you off some good people in here i did notice plenty of people watching you as you dance oh oh every night cleopatra just basks in their adoring gaze and and i love it and well If only I could get someone from the city council in here one night, booze him up and get him in Cleopatra's good graces. You see, there's a pothole on my road that hasn't been fixed for years. Ah, so you're taking the
1: long route for filling it in yourself. Yeah,
0: you could say so, says Cleopatra. She winks and she says not long now, not long now. A few more adoring fans, a few more months of saving and it'll be well on its way. Mark my words.
1: Not terribly um, dissimilar, actually. I think I
0: like you. I didn't catch your name, actually. Well, Petra, darling. She smiles, holds out a hand.
1: Oh, the Queen of the Nile, I see. And um... None other. <laughs> Barry extends her hand.
0: Over on the other side of the bar, Bouncer sits at a table nursing a drink, her eyes narrowed as she scans the room for her favoured type of prey suddenly bouncer your ears perk up hey you didn't ask my permission don't you know you're meant to ask permission before you snap pictures of someone you're pissing me off girly you can't just be taking pictures from there in the corner without letting anybody know And don't you be giving me any lip now you peer over over the crowd, Bouncer. Your eyes following the commotion. And there, in the corner, next to a pinball machine, you see a man dressed in weathered denim overalls. More hair on his bare shoulders and arms than there is on your entire head. And he's currently prostrating over a girl cowering in the corner. A girl with Purple hair and a camera on a strap around her neck. The wave her wavering on the spot tells you that she's a little drunk, but that's not stopping her from snapping photo after photo of the festivities, even as the man jabs his finger in her face. You even listening to what I'm saying? Bitch!
3: Uh, she's gonna get up from where she is and start to make her way over trying not to be too obvious cue the music
2: you walk up
3: to the two
0: when you reach them you just stand there folding your arms the purple haired girl looks up Registers your appearance, and then she raises her camera, fixes you in her viewfinder, and (coughs) takes a photo. The flash temporarily blinds you. For the last time, girl, put the fucking camera down. I'm talking to you. Have some respect for other people, says the man.
3: (laughs) God. There's a bit of an inner conflict going on for what she wants to do, and also, but keeping her word to Samantha.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he notices the girl snapping a picture of you. He whirls around, sees you standing there. He looks you up and down, licking his bottom lip in an incredibly creepy manner as he takes in the shape of your legs. And then he sneers. And let me guess. You're either a fucking girlfriend, or you're here to tell me to leave her alone. She's just snapped a photo of you. Probably going to put it up there on the bloody internet. I don't need to put it up on the internet, says the girl. Don't you know? All the clocks and computers are going to explode at midnight. Anything I put on the internet's going to go poof up in smoke.
2: <laughs> ah?
0: Says the man, not getting
3: what she's saying. Um, I was just coming over to let you. I was coming over because it seemed that you'd ha- have it a bit too much to drink at the moment.
0: Too much to drink? New Year's fucking Eve, love. And this is a pub. But it's against the law to have fun on the last night of the year.
3: Uh, It is when you start causing commotion for everyone else. Commotion? Look, this bitch
0: is come in. She hasn't even spoken to anyone. She's pulled out her camera and she's just snapping photos. Who knows where what she's gonna do with them? Could be a could be a bloody cop spying on us for all we know. And the girl stifles a chuckle at this. And she says, oh, no, no, not at all. Uh, uh, I'm just a student. Uh, I'm trying to get through film school. <laughs> Definitely not a cop.
3: <laughs> uh, at this point, Daunt comes on. And she just turns on and says, there, see, she's just, just trying to enjoy her night. I suggest you leave her alone, and then everyone can get back to their festivities.
0: Yeah, says the man. He steps up to you, letting his full weight tower over you, and even though you're a good head shorter than him, you just stand there firm, Mm. arms crossed, looking up at him, meeting his eyes. Go ahead and make for (laughs) me a charisma intimidate check and add your presence. Do, do. Damn, that's nine die. Nine die, yeah. Bounce is good at this.
3: Is this what it feels like to be Vince? <laughs> <laughs> yes, successes.
5: and it's wonderful.
3: Yeah. Uh, six
0: successes. Six successes. Oh, listen. Listen, girl, he says. Raising a finger, jabbing it into your face. I don't think. He shrugs. Ah, the fuck, ain't fucking worth it. All right, I get it. No fun tonight. No fun. Police are in the building. All right. Don't mind me then. Enjoy your fucking night. He turns makes his way away. And as he walks away, the girl watches him. She looks at you and she smiles and she says, like I said, we won't have to worry about anything. Whole internet's gonna blow up in about five minutes. Y2K, remember? I'm just snapping photos, uh, trying to practice my composition, you know. Holds out her hand. I'm April, by the way.
3: Uh, just takes her hand, like, shakes it, such helps her up, just,
0: uh,
3: they call me bouncer. <laughs> bouncer, huh?
0: Mm. Well, you certainly did your job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, uh, not gonna lie, it was a little creeped out. You know, the size of him, I don't think he would have done anything in a public place, but, you know, thank you for getting him off my back, look. I don't see a drink in your hand. Uh, how about I buy you one? Come on, she says. and She gestures for you to follow her. Oh uh, yeah, she'll follow her. And as you follow her away towards the bar, we cross to Mitch. Mitch, parties have never been your scene. The noise is a little overwhelming. Too many people, too much talking, too many voices, too many variables to keep track of. And so when we cross to you, we find you stepping into the men's bathroom, pushing through the worn down wooden door, your footsteps echoing over the grimy tiles. Your face pale gray in the cracked mirror, illuminated by the flickering light. And as you lean over the sink and contemplate the lines on your face, and think about how this singular moment, the end of a millennium, is a nexus point for so many possible futures hear the door open and a short stocky man wearing a knitted vest and thick glasses steps in early to mid thirties by the looks of him or that could just be his double chin adding more lines on his face than there should be for his age He yawns as he steps in and makes his way over to the urinal, nodding at you as he passes. After a few minutes, he finishes his business, pulls up his pants and makes his way over to the sink, standing next to you. As he washes his hands, he raises an eyebrow and he says, noisy out there tonight, isn't it?
4: Uh, you know, it, it always is, at places like this. I'm not terribly surprised.
0: Yeah, true, true, he says. But there's something about this place, usually not that many people. I come here to sit in the corner and uh, get some of my study done, and, uh, well, I just can't focus, tonight. not with all that noise. I guess I don't have anyone to blame but myself. New Year's Eve and all, I should have known, but just the same. I'm doing the summer semester this year and there's going to be a pretty nasty exam next week. And I'm just not sure I can get all these equations in my head with that music pumping and all those voices.
4: You're really gonna make me do math, aren't you? Um that, that's not in character, don't worry.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh well, you know, I, I hope your exam goes well. What uh what course are you taking this semester?
0: Oh, you know. I am an engineering major, he says, uh. Name's Jean, by the way. He holds out a Holds out a hand, then realizes he hasn't washed it and quickly pulls it away. He says, uh, look, I thought I'd, uh, take on an elective this summer. You know, get some extra credit points and all that. And, uh, I've always been interested in, you know. Look, it's a bit of a strange concept and, uh, most people it just go over their heads. But, I don't know. You sort of look like you're the type who would understand. He smiles and he says, Theoretical physics, intro to theoretical physics. Just got through Everett Wheeler's Many Worlds stuff and oh, man, that is a lot to wrap your head around, even for me.
4: He, he kind of like, he doesn't sigh necessarily, but he definitely seems like a little bit put off by the conversation. Like he, he he's definitely uncomfortable with the topic and he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I found it quite fascinating before. Um, well, you know, it's just like you said, it's hard to wrap your head around, especially if you think about all things that could go wrong. Oh,
0: you, you you've read the paper, he says yeah definitely like you know like i said i'm an engineer and and for me you know it all comes down to the equation the equation's never wrong and you know it's sort of binary if you think about it it's either wrong or it's right the equation says exactly how a piece of machinery is going to behave but you consider stuff like this is so many world stuff like every time there's something with more than one outcome the world splits and there's a timeline for each one and I just I don't know maybe I don't understand abstract concepts as well as I should but it's just I don't even know how to begin to wrap my head around a concept like that you know it's it's simultaneously confusing yet at the same time Entirely clear. And yet... Ah. He says, Ah, right, look, I'm talking your ear off. Um, but if you've read it, uh, i tell you what, uh, I could do with some pointers, mate. Maybe you could look over my notes or something and make sure I'm on the right track. Um. He makes sure this time to rinse his hand under the tap and then he shakes it, splashing water onto your vest, and he holds out a beefy hand, and he says, uh, Gene, again.
4: He kind of, like, very awkwardly, like, grasps the top of his hand and shakes it, and is like, Mitch, uh, you know, I don't often assist with that sort of thing, especially if I've been drinking, but I suppose I could try and assist you find assist you in finding the right path. And, 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 and,
0: he raises his hand, suddenly excited and he says, and there's a world out there where you just blew me off right now. Told me to go back out there, quit thinking about school and let my head down for the night. Well, I'm glad I'm on this path. Hey, look, uh, everyone's drinking. It is the occasion. So, uh, let's ring in the new year i'll buy you a drink and then how about i show you my notes i get the feeling that you're probably the only guy in this place who's gonna actually be interested in what i've written down
4: um you know i mean i i don't want to uh distract you from you studying if that's what you have to do but i suppose it wouldn't be too much of an issue.
0: He nods. Alright, come on then. Ah, Anything you're partial to? He starts to walk towards the door of the bathroom. I go for those, uh, what do they call them? Craft beers? Won't find them in a place like this. I'll just go for a Jack and Coke. You? Well, he kind of, like,
4: stops for a moment and, like, Still thinking about it. I think I'll just ask the bartender what she suggests.
0: Good idea, he says. And, you know, if you think about it, uh, technically, you're ordering every drink on the menu in this place, aren't you? Because when she asks what you want, it's going to split into multiple timelines, and in each timeline, you've ordered a different drink. He smiles, obviously proud of himself that he's able to vocalize this concept. That he's been wrapping his head around all night and then he eagerly grabs the door and flings it open, gesturing for you to follow him out in the bar the people are gathered around the stage as the Alvis impersonator stops his off-key singing and he says thank you, thank you very much ladies and gentlemen and uh looks like we're in the final stretch now he looks over at the TV hanging above the bar, a countdown has appeared on screen. He says, so uh, let's have 10 seconds of silent anticipation as we ring in the new millennium. I sure hope you've prepared yourselves for the coming apocalypse. <laughs> he chuckles at his joke. And then the small dive bar fills with 100 voices counting down in unison. 10! 9, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! January 1st, 9.39pm, 2021. The world is on fire. Literally, an orange man is on the news. The shops are empty of toilet (laughs) paper and a nuclear apocalypse is back on everyone's bingo cards. Every week, there seems to be a new disaster. But hey, at least the clocks didn't explode all those years ago. It would have been really bad. Of the last 21 years, you've all found your niches in g towns kindred hierarchy you never quite left samantha stokes's guidance instead after that night that first night of hunting on your own went well on new year's eve 1999 Rather than releasing you from her service, she extended an offer. An offer that most of her other neonates have never received. And that offer was to enter her employment as her agents, the hounds of the consul. Assisting her in all matters of importance to relations between the Camaria and the Anarchs and over the last 20 years performing these duties you've all established yourselves as respected neonates in your sects establishing meaningful ties among the Camarilla and the Anarchs You've mostly gone your separate ways, only occasionally coming together when Samantha tasks you with a particularly important matter. Tonight is different. You've all been summoned to speak to a powerful member of the G-Town Anarch. Barry. It's Barry, Barry Lovelace, the leader of the Lovelace family, a pack of gangrels with a nasty reputation. He sent word through Samantha that he needs to speak to all of you. and so he set up tonight's meeting via Zoom. It's a bit unorthodox, but considering the shit show that's been everyone's schedules lately, This is the best you could manage. Potential masquerade breach aside. Here you are. The message, meeting joined, pops up on the screen. And suddenly, each of your faces aligned up in a row. Down the bottom of the screen is Barry. A round-faced man with half-moon spectacles and a fluffy white beard. Santa Claus, if Santa Claus had Mm. fangs. He's calling from a small cluttered office. A sign on the wall behind him reads Lovelace Financial Recuperation Services. Ah, ah, yep. Hey, you're all here on time. Uh, Sorry for the couple minutes delay. I had to get a... Had to get a bit of help with this, you know, technology and all. He swings the camera around, and... There, you can see... A teenage boy wearing a orange hoodie. He's sipping on what looks like a blood smoothie, and behind him, there's a... Grinning blonde woman with a tray of cookies. Um, my wife, Kathy, and my son, Barry Jr. Thanks for the help tonight, loves, he says, winking at them. Turns the camera around, facing him again. He says, so, uh, look, I know some of you are with the Anarch, some of you are with the Cam, and look, I know normally you wouldn't have dealings with someone like me up there in the Prince's Court, but uh the reason I've called you it's uh well it's something that the cams gonna want dealt with as well and uh, he frowns peers down at a watch on his wrist and he says ah uh, and uh there's someone else there's an electronic beep as another window pops up on the screen he says ah ah, and here they are now. Look, I, uh... i got a bloke. I think he's a bloke. Uh, in the Hakata, who, uh, owes me a boon. And, uh, they've sent their fledgling my way to assist on, uh, what you'll be dealing with tonight. Uh, handle things from a more, uh, occult perspective. The reason why will be apparent to you shortly. Uh... Uh, So anyway, uh, this is Cross, he says, introducing the newcomer to the meeting. And now, Ash, please introduce Cross. What Cross looks like and where they're taking this Zoom call. Yeah, you see the the little
5: weird creature on the monitor? Yeah, fucking creep that one. Uh, Yeah, uh, last 20 years have really made it internalize that that narrative and um Croft sits there also hunched over in a hoodie also sipping on something red um and as it joins the call and uh as it's introduced it doesn't really change its expression or move to say anything it's just sitting there
0: Now, uh, Cross is young, as I understand it, says Barry. Cross's sire, uh, Mort, said Cross is fledgling, uh, only six months dead, but I'm assured Cross knows what they're doing, and you're going to find their skills, uh, invaluable for what I'm about to task you with. At this, he smiles and takes one more look at the screen, leaning forwards and you can see your own faces reflected in his half moon spectacles as he carefully takes in everyone in the Zoom call. And he says, ah, Tig, Tig. Thought I'd be waiting for you, not for Cross. Cross is uh, only six months dead, twenty years old, and uh, you beat him to the call. What you have to get a, have to call in all the grandkids to help you set this one up.
2: Tig's mouth moves, but nothing comes out.
0: So Tig, <laughs> you know,
2: yeah, yeah. Looks to the side.
0: You see Tig reach over and look as if he's fiddling with something and then suddenly there's a burst of static Psh, and Tig's audio turns on.
2: Like this? Oh Jesus fucking Christ! Are you sure? No, no, Dad, look, you wanna... Stupid. Okay, okay, fine. <sighs> can we can we replay what he said that, that first three minutes or so? I don't think we got that.
0: Barry rolls his eyes and he says, ah, Tig, Tig. Stupid thing.
2: Oh, oh, Barry! Look, I
0: keep saying
2: wait, to wait, you, wait Tig, No, no, I have to say it again. I have to say it again. I have to say, hello, Barry. How are How are you?
0: Just fine, Tig. Just fine, indeed. But you know, I keep saying to Bunyip every time I meet him that, uh, your pack got to get with the times. See, there's a reason your pack ain't got much sway with the anarchs but my pack it's because we uh keep up keep our fingers on the pulse of the world you understand tig you're very Mm -hmm. very familiar with barry he's the leader the pack leader of one of two gangrel packs in the city there's the pack that you're part of the one that's led by your sire bunya Your pack mostly hangs out beyond the city limits, in the industrial wasteland, doing their own thing. And despite what Barry says, your pack plays a very important role in G-Town. You protect the city's borders. You're the ones who are there on the front line, making sure Lupines don't massacre every bloodsucker in the city. Barry's pack however, and his pack to your knowledge consists purely of himself and his once mortal family, has political ambitions. The warlord of the waterfront has been missing for a few months now. Word on the street is that he went to the Middle East for unknown reasons that's a thing older vampires do now they call it the beckoning they just wake up one night and for whatever reason decide they want to leave and they don't come back
2: and it's been you know Barry go ahead you know Barry mate if uh, you're you're calling me here to boast about how well your pack's doing well you know what they say about men who Boost by their packs incessantly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> only, uh, only kind of pack I'm interested in discussing tonight is a six-pack, and they'll be after this call is over. Can we? So, can we fucking get on with it? All right,
0: you got it, says Barry.
2: And uh, let me sorry, tell sorry, you, no, you're, no, no. Sorry, sorry, didn't mean to. Let me tell you, swear you're be right. Earning that six out a pack. dollar, hands it off camera.
0: So it's. It's a well-known fact to most Anarchs that Barry Lovelace has been angling to replace the missing Warlord, becoming Warlord of the Waterfront. There are three Warlords in G-Town, one for the Wastes, one for the Burbs, and one for the Waterfront. And they're all united under Baron Archibald, the head honcho of the Anarch. But he's mainly just a figurehead it's the warlords that have the real power they're the ones that have the pulse on their community and they're the ones that act as a go-between for their people to the baron and barry knows that if he's able to become the warlord of the waterfront then he'll be not only the most powerful gangrel in the city, but one of the most powerful kindred, full stop. He shrugs and takes a breath, and then he reaches forwards, adjusts his camera so it's centered right right on his face, and he begins to talk. All right, enough of these niceties. I'm afraid something unpleasant's happened. Something that unfortunately involves all of you. Shocking, isn't it? You're all such valued members of this domain. Couldn't believe it at first, but evidence does not lie. You see, a body's been found. Currently sitting in the city morgue. Two puncture wounds in the neck. Drained of blood. All quite... Cliche, really? The mor- oh, for fuck's sake! Who didn't clean up again? That's exactly the question. Humans have been dead. Humans discovered it in the walls of a bar that was recently demolished. Apparently, it's been there for quite some time—about twenty years, even. Good news is, lady that owned the bar, an evil old thing by the name of Lucky, kept fastidious tapes. The police are spooled through, and they found footage of the victim entering the bar on December 31st, 1999. He never left. They're investigating everyone else who entered the bar, but we're one step ahead of them. You see, we looked over the tapes and identified you. All of you, save the cross, as a uh, cross not only were you not embraced at the time i'm pretty sure if i got my maths right you would have only just shoved out your mummies. yeah mustard. I was just fine
5: was there was it was it refrigerated was the body refrigerated how do, how is it still
0: bound in the around? wall mummified someone just stuffed it in the bathroom wall and left it there now see all of you you are the only kindred in the bar that night now this is an old murder it's nothing too important but on the other hand this is exceptionally poor timing masquerade breaches happen all the time we know but the grisly nature of this one's gonna land it in some headlines and uh well prince aveline is gunning to expand the influence of the cam in the city she's feeling the pressure from melbourne And this is not something we need right now, especially with one of our warlords, uh, MIA. Now, I've spoken to the other waterfront factions, the Bruhar at the Dump and the Ministers at the Art Gallery. They called for your heads, but I managed to talk them down to just one execution. So you have three days to decide amongst yourselves who it will be. Alternatively, I suppose, you could find some way to pin the murder on someone else. Or perhaps even find the real culprit, if it isn't one of you. Either way, uh, I'll be holding a rant on the 4th, just after sunset. If we don't have a name by then, uh, the blood hunt will be called on all of you. Uh, so sorry about this. I know it's a lot to take in. And, uh, oh, well, you look at the time. Oh, I must be going. Chat to you, lovelies. What What's this got to do with me? Why am I here? Well, did Mort not explain it to you, Cross? You're there to examine the body and uh, do your thing. Uh, Talk to ghosts or whatever it is you had to do and uh, see if you can get a uh, impartial witness that'll say, which of these lovelies here did the deed? I hate bar ghosts. Okay. Chat to you lovelies later. Ta-ta. Wait. <laughs> Lovelace's face disappears before you can even get a word in edgewise, and the message blinks on the screen. Barry has left the meeting.
5: Oh, this, this is just so typical. Okay, who's picking me up?
2: Like this? And the screen takes portrait leave screensaver. Alright, alright. Gonna fucking keep poking the thing like a ruddy stare. Huh? So, what I miss? <laughs> oh, you missed the actually, in like a week. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, did Duke's you get the I thing about? Already yeah, that's the thing. M- <laughs> M- More dead, un- yeah, You're gonna die. Then you'll be dead. I got him like talking about body and the bar wall, and then it kind of did its thing, and there was like a Windows update. Right. So to get you up to speed, um, we were because
1: well, a corpse. Play. There's a corpse in the bar. Looks like it was one of us. Uh, bloodhounds. Wait, corpse looked like one of us? Uh, a corpse, it looked like one of us did it. Ow. And it wasn't me, so which one of you did I it. I can tell you that. Was well, it me? Well, I said. So a- I can't help but notice you've been rather quiet in this call. <laughs> and it's very unlike you to be so quiet.
3: I was just about turned to stop talking, because it obviously wasn't me.
2: Obviously. So, off camera, you hear somebody you say, Tell her to stop doing her mean girls thing and get on with solving the problem. She's like, Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Mm. Uh, let's get on with solving the problem. Which one have you done? A-
4: Mitch kind of like his hand, like, I, I do have a question, um, which bathroom was it?
0: Yeah, so, uh, say.
1: Barry, in all of his, uh, fantastic meeting holding glory, uh, left before we could, uh, before we could find out that information.
3: Just let you know, giving So, okay.
2: we're gonna need to go down there and get details, is what I'm thinking. Uh, Dale, if, um, if Cross
3: looks like up the address
2: of the place, how
5: easy is it accessible for it?
0: Yeah, so... Cross, um, so what is your haven? Where does Cross live? Uh, it's uh, it's a warehouse on the
5: outskirts of town. I haven't placed it anywhere particularly on the map.
0: So Cross, you would... You can do that now? Yeah, Cross... So... The bar, and it is indeed Sip Sip Hooray, where all of these people were present 20-odd years ago, is right on the border of north town and west gateway and it is quite a ways from where your haven is cross is used to catching ubers though and it's not too much trouble for you to get there
5: uh cross disconnects from the call without any further words and starts making
0: their way over (laughs) yeah so you you immediately disconnect from the call and
2: in your other hand, oh, you... I guess he had a Windows update. <laughs> we better wait till he gets back then.
3: Uh, for God's sake, why did we have to? Why did we at baby babysitting duty?
2: Yeah, That's I it think that that quite now. often myself actually.
1: Regardless, I uh, it kept mentioning something about uh, getting a lift, so I assume he's on his way, and we should all be on our way as well.
2: All right. And then you need a pickup?
3: I should be good. I'm
4: right. capable of driving.
1: Ugh. Neither a babysitter, nor am I an Uber driver.
2: I'll see you all there.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, and you I don't know how much... Yeah, never mind. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's gone. Good riddance. Oh, I had to answer mm. the what? Mm. All right. Yep. Yeah, I'll meet you all. There, oh. They're all gone. All right.
0: (laughs) Tig closes the app, leaving the empty meeting on the screen.
2: This meeting could have been a phone call.
0: (sighs) And then you're on your way. So you've all decided to head straight to the bar. Is that going to be your first line of inquiry?
5: Yeah, our cross is immediately going to summon any given spirit there and start interrogating
0: it. Yeah, when you get there. So you've got three nights to clear your names or else you have to nominate one of your group to be executed. And obviously, you don't want to do this. None of you murdered anyone there that night. Your memories aren't entirely as clear as... You'd like them to be. Given it happened 20 odd years ago. You're pretty sure you didn't kill anyone. So yeah. You think that heading to the bar. Seeing this scene of the crime for yourselves. Is probably the best way to start. So. It's just shy of. 10pm. When you arrive at. What was once, sip, sip, hooray. Tig is the first to arrive, but only by a couple of seconds. His old Holden ute rumbles to a stop on the edge of the curb. And then the rest of you pull up behind him. Yeah. Cross already uh, stands on the footpath having arrived via Uber a few minutes earlier and Cross doesn't even seem to register when the rest of you arise. It has its back turned to you staring straight at what was once Sip Sip hooray
5: Yeah, Cross is using the binding fetter which I rolled four successes on just trying to find anything useful around the
0: so where the bar once stood is now only a mess of broken brick. A few unmanned, a few unmanned excavators and some flimsy police tape. And you've used... Uh, so you've got six successes to find... What? Four successes to find a fetter. So you barely even acknowledge the others as they climb out of their vehicles. Instead, you make your way along the path towards the pile of rubble that used to be sip sip hooray you duck under the police tape and jump down into the big square hole in the dirt where the foundation used to be that's now been dug up and reduced to pile of concrete and dirt on the edge of the footpath. And if the others catch a glimpse of your face cross, they would see your eyes roll back into your sockets as the irises expand, turning a deep black, the black of the darkness. Your vision turns... The, the color drains from your vision as you peer into the shadow lands gazing through the twisted metal shattered tiles and splintered wood that are illuminated in featureless shades of gray. There's a strange white light emanating from the very corner of the hole. Roughly where the bathrooms would have been, the back of the bar. And so you follow it across, your body seemingly moving without you commanding it, drawn to the light. You lift up some pieces of concrete rubble, some shattered tiles, and with your hands begin to dig into the compacted earth. Bright light fills your eyes as you reach into the hole you've created and produce a black, alvis wig in your hands the surface of it seems to sparkle with spectral energy everyone else sees everyone else just sees you holding the tip of its fake hair between two fingers contemplating it
2: oh fuck me the guy alvis
5: um, okay, so you see cross um, cross kneeling down uh, slings their backpack off its shoulder and opening up pulls out a just a simple lunchbox, plastic lunchbox. Um, opens it up, pulls out some gloves and slides those on, and then pulls out a surgical needle with a vial attached to the back and, uh, withdraws, uh, an, a vial of blood from its, uh, the crook of its arm, where a phlebotomist would.
0: Yeah. Well, while Cross is doing this... Do you want to rouse for that, actually? Since I'm uh, pulling blood? Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, make a rouse check. So, while... Uh, I don't get hungrier. Don't get hungrier. And you are all, of course, at hunger one, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. So. Cross, as Cross performs its task with a very clinical, almost machine-like precision, still not even acknowledging the presence of the rest of you. What would any what would everyone else like to do? Is there anything you'd like to do in particular?
1: Um Valerie is instinctively going to walk from each Coterie member to each codery member. Uh Using her lie detector and asking them one by one, directly to their face... Was it you? Did you do it? No wavering in her eyes or her voice whatsoever, piercing directly into
2: their sight. Pass off.
0: As each of the Coterie members answers, protesting that you would even consider them to have performed this masquerade breach. Their auras flare up one by one with emotional energy, and you determine that they're telling the truth. They're just as fucked as you are. (sighs) I
1: could have sworn. Never mind. Alright, looks like we're really royally screwed, then. Unless it is that uh, Lassie over there has
2: uh, found something interesting.
0: Well, Are you doing anything? Well, if you want
2: Lassie, I can do something. <laughs> Take walks to the back of the uh, Ute, opens up the gate and calls out Bob and Duke.
0: The two massive blue healers leap off the back of the Ute, bounding down the road, wagging their tails and barking as they charge towards the remnants of Sip Sip Hooray.
1: Oh, I so see you brought the wife and kids.
2: Uh, no, Mitch they're back yes. at home. I just brought Bob and Duke. I <laughs> swear, you're off a your game today.
0: <sighs> Mitch, did you want to do something?
4: Oh, um, I was going to say, Mitch does not seem to like the dogs very much,
5: yeah,
1: but uh, he, he
4: kind of walks over to Cross and is like, um, you know, since since we're kind of all in this together, I, I was hoping that maybe you could uh, tell me what you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm taking notes on the situation so that we all can have our stories straight uh, just to make sure that none of us get blood hunted. So um, what exactly is it that you're doing?
5: Cross uh, doesn't look up at Mitch, but just asks, do you recognize this gesturing to the, uh, the wig?
4: Well, yes, that is the wig of an Elvis impersonator that might have probably was there that night, from what I remember. It's, well, you know.
5: Good. He's dead. I'm summoning him.
4: Uh, don't you think that might be a little bit... Perhaps rude, or maybe we should try to look th- through other avenues to see if you know there's a way to solve this without doing that. It, it seems well. disrespectful.
5: Cross just sort of doesn't really process this question. Uh, it just sort of seems like it's ignoring you, but it doesn't. It doesn't really sort of get through to it.
1: Yeah. Uh, without either of them noticing, Valerie is standing behind them and kind of announces, Oh, ghoulies and ghosts. We are going to die.
0: <laughs> so, Tig, are your two dogs your familiars?
2: They are indeed. Yeah. Two so, out of, like, uh, ten or so.
0: <sighs> yeah, so go ahead and make for me a charisma plus animal ken check.
2: I'm going to tell him to have a sniff around and see what you can find. It isn't like wigs or creepy dead people.
5: As this is happening, Cross is uh, uh, squirting some drops
2: of the removed
5: blood onto the wig and it's beginning a uh, summon and spirit ritual.
0: Yep. You did not get hungrier. And
2: no, I three, three successes for the pups. Three successes.
0: As you close your eyes, Ross, you're vaguely aware of Tig barking an order to the dogs, and you hear the two dogs as they start to fan out, leaping down into the ditch and sniffing the ground as Tig carefully follows them. Close your eyes and you begin to whisper into the Shadowlands. The others can't hear your voice as it doesn't emanate in the material realm. Instead, your voice pierces the veil and calls on the ghost linked to this wig, this fetter, to come forth from the Shadowlands and to manifest to you. And yet, the Shadowlands, Quiet, empty. And as you repeat the summons again and again, you realize that something is missing. Woo 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 Duke begins to bark loudly, wagging his tail as he starts furiously digging into a pile of concrete. Oh, what's this?
2: You step over and i'll to, go get yep. get the shovel and help him.
0: yep so you grab the shovel off the back of the ute step over to where duke is and use the shovel to pry away some of the debris allowing the healer to stick his front paws and head under a chunk of concrete half his body <laughs> Crawls forwards, wedged underneath the debris, his tail still wagging furiously. And then about a minute later, he extracts himself. A square scrap of paper in his mouth. You kneel down and carefully remove the paper from the dog's teeth. It's a photograph covered in dust and mud and grime. But just barely visible underneath this layer of filth is a picture of a man dressed in a very convincing facsimile of Alvis Presley. A signature. I remember this fella. A signature, half-faded, written in written in magic marker is scrawled across the top right corner you you, you can try uh, to decipher the name perhaps if you want to does cross notice this um yes cross you notice this
2: uh okay and writing's worse than my doctor's
4: uh, Mitch will take a crack at kind of deciphering the,
0: yeah. the handwriting yeah so Mitch go ahead make for me an intelligence investigation check
5: Cross cool. is going to walk over to join the group or rather to look at the um, the photo as well and it's sort of you can see it sort of picking at its arm with its nails
4: uh... tension
0: suddenly drawn to the photo
4: these successes.
5: If you were really perceptive you'd notice cross like some minor facial twitches. Facial
0: twitches. Yeah. So Um Really didn't like that it didn't
5: So I m- forgot
0: that I s- need the name. So how many successes did you get, uh Mitch? Three. Three. Yeah, so Mitch. You grab the photo out of Tig's hand and you now.
2: bring it up yes, close I mean. to your face. Oh, well, you did ask. You did ask. That's important.
0: In life, you were an academic, and in death, you're still something of one. You still keep in touch with some of your old contacts at the university, and you very occasionally make an appearance as a guest professor. And you've learned through years and years of academia how to decipher the incredibly messy writing of PhD candidates and (laughs) students that are surviving on two hours of sleep and five cans of Monster. And... You're able to quite easily read the writing H. Williams. 99. The picture is just of the impersonator, right? Just Just of the impersonator, yep. And you get the feeling that maybe it's... The photo was quite obviously not taken at the bar. In the photo, he appears to be standing in... He appears to be performing in some sort of outdoor arena with spotlights and a smoke machine and you get the impression there's probably some sort of promotional signed photo he probably handed these out during gigs to anyone who wanted them
5: uh would you be telling us what the name is mitch uh
4: yeah mitch would take down a note Uh, He would switch notebooks, take down the note, and then be like, okay. So, we at least have a first initial and a last name, H. Williams, that might help us find more information out about him and perhaps people he knew, or even help us find him at the morgue if we need to go there. First initial, okay, yeah, I
5: need
2: a full name. I need a full name. Full Uh,
0: name.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, you could take a stab at
2: it, but he was an Elvis impersonator. Um, that's kind of unique round here. Maybe you could look it up on the interweb. Yeah, Cross is
5: uh, a step ahead and has already pulled out its phone and is searching for H. Williams' Elvis impersonator and um, setting the time scale of the uh, search to around the late 90s. Yep, go ahead, make me... I think that's going to be tricky because, you know, internet then, but...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Make me an intelligence investigation check, please.
5: Sure. That's a very good roll for me. Um. uh, five. five.
1: Yes,
0: it is. Wordlessly, you find it cross. You sigh and hold up your phone displaying an old news article an article from the G-Town Advertiser, affectionately known as the Addy, from early December 1999. It's a very short article. It's advertising a New Year's hoedown at the Sip Sip Hooray and proudly advertises a live performance from the Gateway region's most well-known Alvis tribute Henry Williams okay so uh
5: immediately cross is going to return to the wig and the blood and just muttering like repeating Henry Williams to itself to not forget uh, I and try Henry. Up, um searching again
0: snatch the photo out of Mitch's hands and lay it down in your case next to the feather. It would do that, yeah. Drop more of your vitae upon it, and then, studying the picture, your eyes seeming to fixate upon the signature in the corner. You call out the ghost's name. Your voice echoes throughout the shadow lands, and the ghost of. Henry Williams feels the call of your voice, the tug of their fetter. And they appear before you. A misshapen black shroud of shadow, glimmering yellow eyes, floating above. The Alvis Impersonator wig and the photo. Their black form seeming to paint the shades of grey around you with a tint of darkness. No one else could see that the Wraith has manifested, but you all suddenly feel the temperature sharply decrease. Is Cross aware of its um, real-world surroundings much? Um, Yeah, you'd be aware of your real-world surroundings, because they look pretty much the same in the Shadowlands. They're just colourless, and Mm. the shadows are deeper. Including the people there? Yeah, including the people.
5: Um, Cross addresses Henry and says, uh, Do you know where we are?
0: Air around... Everyone grows bone-chilling cold, and Tig's two dogs begin to bark. Easy unsettled. now.
4: <laughs> Easy now. Can, can Mitch proc see the unseen because he can tell that there's something you supernaturally sure happening yeah. here?
0: So you turn on Sense the Unseen, and I'd like you to go ahead and make for me, Mitch, a uh, wits plus or specs or resolve plus or specs roll.
4: I have better resolve, so I'll use that. Or successes.
0: Or successes. Fixate upon the location that Cross is staring at. You rouse the blood within you. Your beast immediately growls unsettled as the wraith. Uncloaks itself before your eyes, appearing to you as the Alvis impersonator that you remember from that night, 20 years (laughs) ago. Cross asks its question, do you know who we are? The Wraith is silent for a moment, and then it whispers simple answer. One not known, or known, or there. Yes. On the last night.
5: Okay. Uh, I assume Cross can interpret this easily. Yeah. It's used to this shit.
0: <laughs> cool. Basically um, saying it doesn't know who you are, but it recognizes the others.
5: Yeah. I, I, was, I was born around the time that you died. Uh, do you know how you died?
0: wraith flickers before you its eyes glow bright red and at this point mitch you seeing the wraith as the alvis impersonator see the man visibly flinch on the spot and see him lower his head in ...what looks to be a pretty obvious look of regret and sadness.
4: Um, Mitch kind of steps in and is like, uh, Klaus, you know, I-I appreciate this, I think this is very helpful, but it seems like you might be upsetting him. Perhaps we could be a little bit more tactful with questions.
5: Oh, uh, yeah, I-I don't know how.
4: Right. Right. uh Mitch kind of turns to the way and asks the question was there anything particularly suspicious that you noticed the night that you died something out of place in the bar
0: the Alvis impersonator raises his head and then he speaks although only Cross hears him man but not man not yet man and yet not ever a man. Took more than it needed, didn't care, and then laid to rest by woman's hand.
4: Spoiler, you may want to write that down. <laughs> oh, it's, it's been written down, don't worry. Mitch is like, did, did he respond to that question? Unfortunately, my powers only extend so far.
5: Oh, uh, yeah, um, Cross will relay it, probably with a couple of errors, (laughs) um, and then Cross will say, uh, uh, it's, it's, it sort of hesitates, because it it actually doesn't want to make it uncomfortable, but it's, it's like, uh, uh, do, do you... Do you know who the woman was?
0: The one with much fortune. Uh, It says the
5: one with much fortune.
4: Well, there's an obvious candidate there.
5: The... Uh, I, th- I think, um, I think Cross wouldn't put that together. <laughs> uh, you might see like a, a puzzled expression on his face.
2: Hang on, hang on, hang on. Laid to rest. The problem is, I'm playing somebody who's damned.
0: Says the spirit. Not extinguished. Hang on, that- not extinguished. Laid to rest by the fortunate one. Fortunate enough He's talking to about not have lucky. to
2: answer. He's talking about lucky. He has to be. And I rolled like one success on my
0: two dice yes. to remember. Yeah, you remember Lucky, the owner of the bar. I wonder
3: where she yes. is now. Who's Lucky? Who, who's he? What are we talking about?
2: Lucky was the owner of the bar. Uh, bar. She was a bartender and she knew about us. She said her autumn days were behind her and I didn't have nothing to worry about because I seemed like one of the nice ones.
3: Uh, no, not, uh, not Lucky. I mean... I'm not the only one who can't see who they're talking to, right?
5: Cross, like, loudly sighs and is like. I thought he was
2: doing one of the Malkavian things. He's not. Aren't you, like, 20 years dead?
3: Aren't you six months? What's the point?
5: The point is that I'm talking to a wraith. Is this really your first time seeing someone talking to a wraith? Oh my god. Across just ignores them and returns to. Listen,
2: I'm, I missed some of the their zimp zump calls, so you know.
1: <laughs>
4: zump.
3: I know a bit, but this Zumping is be the first time I've heard of a Hecata or whatever you are. Ikata, I- look, I, I'm technically
5: Samedi, I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll fucking, I'll tell you later. Um, Samedi?
2: Two yes, damn it. It's
5: all right. Uh, all right. H- um, Cross turns back to Henry and says, the woman, uh, was it
0: lucky? Feminine with fortune. The server of drinks. Yes, lucky. Lucky, but remember, remember the one who extinguished cloak. In
5: Cross is going to be, uh, as
4: Henry says it, relaying everything to Mitch. Mitch is very furiously taking notes, but he keeps switching between notebooks for various pieces of information.
1: Right, so what we've got to go on is somebody orange did this. I can see
5: our time has been well spent. Well, uh, like, it's probably, probably referring to an. Orange? It's probably referring to an aura. Uh, what um? What would an orange aura refer to, actually?
0: Um. Anyone who has aura specs may make an intelligence plus aura specs roll. Does anybody? Is anybody good with auras?
5: Yeah. Oh. Leave, Leave it to me. Don't
4: worry.
0: Yeah, go ahead. What's an make- orange aura do? Two successes. Your turn. We'll see. We'll see what um. Uh, totally, Sorry. Totally. I'm sorry, I'm totally
4: I'm totally you. So Mitch.
0: Mitch, an orange aura usually usually means that the person is overconfident, boisterous. They might be in the mood for a fight. They might be trying to cause trouble. They're restless and bored, and want some action.
4: Right.
1: Well, uh, do they relay this onto the group?
4: Yes. And he adds, well, I do remember that night. I don't know if anyone else does. Someone who was getting quite loud with someone. I don't remember much of the conversation. Something about cameras, I think?
1: Valerie looks directly at bouncer
3: yes i remember that pig excuse, excuse me, me. Oh,
0: oh, pig. All right. there zoomed. was a pig at the bar <laughs> man the 90s were a different time what you said there was a pig are you messing with us
5: Chris is just blank for a moment, it's like oh, oh, it's it's a it's a metaphor thing, yeah, okay
0: as far as you remember though, Bouncer pretty sure that guy was not kindred, pretty sure he was mortal, Mm. and from what you've been told, this is very obviously someone who fed and didn't clean up after themselves It's at this point that Cross turns around to ask more questions of Henry. And you see, Cross, that the wraith is gone. Ah, shit. The fetter. Shit. The fetter no longer glows with spectral energy, and the temperature is slowly but surely rising to what it was before you summoned the ghost.
5: Oh, okay. Um,. Uh, Henry's
2: gone. Yes, yeah, while well, we're I... here. Oh, good.
4: I think we got a, at least a decent amount of information. You know, I, I wouldn't feel too bad about it.
5: Yeah, I, I just I should have I should have I should have known. I should I should have been faster. And you see it picking at its arm again.
2: I'm sure you did all right then.
0: Cross picks at oh. its arm and then. Crouches down, starting to pile all of its instruments back into their case. Above you, outside the ditch, you hear the sound of footballs crunching over gravel. And then... A man with a long brown beard, wearing tattered tracksuit pants and an old ACDC... T-shirt, covered in various stains, appears at the edge of the ditch, peering down at you. Looking for loot? Don't bother. Won't find nothing in there. Lucky stripped the place before they came. She took every last thing, not bolted down. This woman, that one.
1: About you, you seem to know her quite well. Um happen
0: to know where she might be? And who'd you be? Lucky, uh, Lucky wouldn't want me just spouting her business to any Dom, Dick and Harry that comes down this way. Say, you don't happen to have a buck to spare or something, would you? Uh,
1: Valerie moves up and, um, <laughs> uh, uses her insight on him uh, to see exactly what he's insecure about.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Make uh, make me a wits awareness and add your auspex. You're using your lie detector, which we've tweaked to allow you to just determine the general emotional state of somebody. Oh, I'm happy to have that. How it was? Uh, that's ah, okay. Sure. Yeah. All right. Just do a wits insight. Uh, Successor 5. So he's standing above you on the edge of the ditch, peering down at all of you, and based on the way he keeps shifting his gaze between you all, narrowing his eyes, you get the impression that perhaps he's the guardian, the watchman. He's been tasked mm-hmm. with looking over. Lucky's old bar and making sure that nobody who she wouldn't approve of is fiddling around in what remains of her property
1: Ah, so I see Lucky does mean a lot to you It seems like a shame we've uh, come and messed up the place a little bit It's a pity you weren't here to keep an eye on it like you probably should have been Mm. Why don't we all go talk to Lucky and uh, see what she has to say about this. We're good friends of hers, you see.
0: You can go ahead and make a manipulation persuasion check.
1: Can do. Uh,
0: Three. Hey, look, Lucky used to toss a free drink my way and a couple of bucks every now and then. So I've been doing her a favour, making sure that people aren't malking around in her business who mean to bring her trouble. She's not in a good way. Fierce woman, though, that one. Not surprised she had a body or two beneath her floorboards.
4: Yep. She
2: used to toss her a drink or two, did she? Sure did, huh? I got a six pack of Carlton's back in the U if you want uh, one and we'd like to talk to Lucky and you can have the pack.
0: Yeah, I'll take you up on that but uh, look, you're obviously not looters, you're too well dressed for that so I gotta ask what do you want with Lucky and how did you even know to come here? I was here when they pulled the body out of the ditch, but uh, as far as I know, it ain't been in the news yet or anything.
1: Everybody knows Lucky from Hip Hip Hooray, or Sip Sip right.
2: She done me a good turn a few wi- while back. Back when I was younger.
0: Well, all right then. Uh, I guess she won't mind so much says the homeless man he waits for you all to clamber out of the ditch and then he makes a point of staring straight at tig's ute he doesn't budge until tig makes his way over (laughs) to the cab pulls the door open and extracts a can of vb from the glove compartment he hands it to the man and the man immediately opens it he takes a sip (laughs) ah bit warm but it'll do all right steps back as
5: soon as anybody starts like as soon as he starts having alcohol
0: yeah steps back he looks over at you he says ah it's a matter boy too young to drink not a boy no coppers around don't think anyone would mind uh, Uh, But before you
1: get too much into that, uh, where is Lucky? He takes a sip.
0: (laughs) All right, all right. Lucky's over at uh, G-Town, General. She's uh, not in a good way. She's got the big C, Cancer. Oh. I ain't sure which type but it's stage four he says taking another sip ain't got long to go from what she says but that ain't why the bars in this state sip sip hooray was demolished because it wasn't up to code the lucky'd been fighting the city council up until the very end but when the big C reared its head and she had to go to hospital you weren't able to fight him anymore. Council got their way and they demolished the bar. That's when they found the body. I was there when the coppers came, pulled him out of the wall. Thought it was an old Halloween decoration at first. His skin was all leathery, hanging on the bones. Mummified, still wearing the alvis get up. Coppers said apparently the construction workers were posing with it when they dug it up. <laughs> Thought the same thing I did.
2: That's... I won't lie, it's kind of fucked up. But yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't mind. Ah. Well, thanks for a tip, mate.
0: No yeah, worries. Night, no worries. Thanks for the drink, mate. He takes another sip. <laughs> Oh, if uh, if you're going to pay a visit to Lucky, tell her I sent you so she don't think you're more bloody journos trying to ask her questions about Elvis mm. Well,
1: it seems to me we have uh, two places to
0: uh, head on to next. First Lucky, then the morgue. Homeless man nods, he says. Morg, Ah, so you looking into it, are you? Unfortunately. Well, look, I hope Excuse you... me. He looks over at Mitch. He says, yeah?
4: Sorry, uh, I don't think we ever really caught your name.
0: Oh, me? Yeah, I'm Wilbur. Uh, Wilbur Woo. He holds out a mud-stained hand.
4: Mitch basically only grabs, like, the tip of his finger with, like, his hand and very oddly shakes
0: it. You know, I'm Wilbur. She'll, she'll know who I am. Just say Wilbur sent ya. Um, look. All the coppers have said is it ain't their fault. Nothing that happens in this town's their fault. I'm sure they have their own lines of inquiry or what have ya, but, uh, look more people looking for the fucking monster who did that stuck a guy in the bloody wall what a way to go man more people looking for that psycho the better i think so good luck i hope you bloody find him yeah i hope for our sakes we do as well your sakes what you got a dog in this fight knew the guy or something uh, something like that. Yeah, well, you're a good mate then, and I'm sure he'd appreciate his mates looking into this. Look, I'm not sure how I can help, but... You know, I've got my eye and ear on the street, and if there's something I can do for you, just let me know. You can usually find me around here. I, uh, He points down the road towards a park at the end of the street, and he's... Finger shapes uh, as it lingers, pointing at the brick toilet block on the very edge of the park. Oh, if it's night time, I'm usually sleeping over in them toilets. If it's during the day, you can find me up on Ryrie Street. I'll be begging for cash and loose change. Well, if we ever need anything else,
1: uh, we'll make sure that Tigger here brings you some extra frothies.
0: Much appreciated. All right, I'll let you get back to it. I gotta head back before uh, that fucking dog takes all me bed. Then he turns and begins to shuffle back up the road towards the park, and you watch as he Steps through the gate, makes his way up the dirt trail, and disappears into the toilet block.
1: Oh, well this is going swimmingly.
2: Working out so far. Man, this is like Matlock. We got clues all over the place. Yeah. But not enough yet. So So,
4: more than lucky, right?
2: It sounds like Lucky doesn't
1: have a lot, uh, lot longer to go. The sooner we get to her, the better, probably.
0: I mean, she's unlikely to die tonight, but you never know.
4: I just have a feeling that it might be better to go to the morgue first. We might find something right. there that we can bring up to Lucky.
0: Can always but always have a feeling.
2: That's a good point. Probably only a few of us should go in the morgue. I don't know I've been much use there. I'll go.
0: Yeah, good idea for cross. Well,
2: rest of us will wait for you, and whoever else is going in. So cross and mid- well, there are five of us. We could knows. just split up. Yeah, could. Yeah.
0: So who? I wanna like to... seeing Lucky again. Who'd like to go
2: where? I'll go to Lucky, guys. Yep. Yeah. Welcome, to vampire. This can happen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and uh Bouncer, where are you going?
3: I'm not sure where I'd be more useful.
2: <laughs> well, mm. there's two people here who can see them wrath, uh, so uh, so why don't they go to the morgue and uh, let's have us go talk with Lucky?
0: Yeah, see what you can. Yeah. really better trying to talk to her, yeah. So, by the time you've concluded your investigations of. What was once sip, sip, hooray. About ten past eleven. Tig clambers into his ute and Valerie and Bouncer climb into their vehicles. The ute's engine roars to life, sputtering. As Tig screams down the street. And Bouncer and Valerie follow behind. Bouncer, Valerie, what do you drive? Uh, Valerie doesn't drive. Uh, she pays for Ubers everywhere she needs to go. Ah, yep. So she's going to be (laughs) riding shotgun in Bouncer's car tonight. Well, she was nice enough. Uh, Valerie will still be taking an Uber. He'll be taking an Uber, yeah.
3: So as as Icon. bouncer, what Dude. do you drive? Uh, nothing special. It's probably some like second-hand, cheap Holden. Yeah. So just just yeah. an old a
0: 1992 Holden Commodore, and yeah. As bouncer climbs yeah. into the yeah. faded red car and screams off after the U, Valerie just pulls out her phone, starts swiping while. Mitch heads over to his car, the black Mercedes that he's able to afford only on an academic salary and (laughs) waits for Cross to climb in on the passenger side. Then the engine comes to life much quieter than the old Holden and the Ute and its tyres crunch over gravel as it quietly makes its way into the city. So, let's go to Lucky first, since there's more of you going there. By the time you arrive at Gateway General Hospital, it's about 11.40, At this time of night, the city's nightlife is in full swing, and you have to pass straight through downtown And then onto Chilwell Road to make your way to the hospital. Right through the city's entertainment sector. The streets are packed with revelers. And traffic slows to a crawl. By the time you get to the hospital, You're back in the sleepy part of the city, out in Bayside, which is a mostly residential suburb but the hospital is right on Chilwell Road wedged in between two office buildings and across the road from a tax firm and a supermarket. The hospital's a grim sort of place, grey concrete tattered old signs. Tig and Bouncer park their cars in the nearly empty parking lot and wait just a few moments for Valerie to climb out of her Uber and join them. And then you make your way up the path and push open the glass double doors into the emergency department. The queue inside is long enough that people are sitting on the floor. All of the harsh looking plastic seats scattered throughout the reception lobby are taken. And the room is filled with the pained moaning and impatient gibbering of the people waiting to be seen. There's a single overworked looking triage nurse behind the reception counter. She's currently busy admitting a patient who's just been brought in. He's got his hand wrapped around his left arm and he's screaming,
4: ah, I'm fucking bleeding, it's fucking bleeding
0: as a young woman with red hair standing next to him, alternates between shushing him, shh, shh, it's okay, (laughs) it's okay. Uh, yeah, uh, he's Medicare, uh, uh, that would be, uh, shh, shh, stop, it's all right, it's okay, shh, stop, stop it. And there's a whole queue lined up behind them all the way to the door. It's gonna take at least an hour standing in the queue before you're seen. But you also notice some very large-looking ventilation shafts in the walls at several points throughout the reception lobby. And isn't that a dream you've always had? Crawl around in the vents like Batman? No? (laughs) Well, the receptionist looks overworked and seems to be going through the patients as quick as she can, trying to admit them without having to draw it out any longer than necessary. Keep in mind that visiting hours are most definitely over. How would you like to approach this? Um,
1: cues are not something that Valerie waits for. Uh, so she marches right up to the attending nurse and um, stands in between her and the person who she's trying to see.
0: You're going to turn on your Excuse presence. me.
1: Uh, Definitely.
0: Is that ore? I was just about to say that. Yeah, Yeah. that's ore. Turn on your ore and you clear your throat. throat) Excuse me. And the receptionist immediately turns away from who she's speaking to, as do a number of people in the queue. Some of them whispering, who does she think she is passing the queue? Hey, we've been here for 20 minutes and... The man who's clutching his arm says, Hey! Who the fuck you think you are? Oh, hush, you're not going to die. But the
1: person we're looking for might very well be. Um, I know visiting hours are over, but this is terribly important. We have a dear friend, Lucky, who's on her very last legs.
0: Uh, if If we don't see her now, we might miss her. Lucky, says the receptionist. We don't have anyone by that name here. I suppose that's a nickname. Uh, I-I'm I, sorry, uh, if you could tell me, uh, what she's been admitted for, maybe I can help, but... Gee. Stage 4 cancer. Stage 4 cancer? Oh! So she'll probably be in the ICU, most likely. Oh, you mean, mm. Annie Well yeah, oh. Annie, of course, she loves to go by Lucky. And you're her friends? Oh, her best friends. Best friends? Well, it is quite late, but she did say she'd expect some friends. But oh, there's been a lot of journalists in all night to speak to her, and I did promise I wouldn't disturb her unless she looks you up and down. And she says, and I do say, you certainly look like the type. No offense, ma'am. Uh Valerie quickly turns on um before waterworks.
1: Oh my dear Lucky, she might not make it. Please, you have to let us see her.
0: <laughs> Go ahead, make me a charisma performance check at your presence. <laughs> oh, that's a three. Three. The receptionist bites her lip. She's clearly deciding what she wants to do in front of the desk. The man clutching oh, no. his arm whispers, whispers to the woman next to him, and then he says,
2: "Come on, hurry
0: up! Just let him through. I'm bleeding to death here."
2: And at that oh, point, and at that point, he's going to turn around. What are you fucking man up? You're disgracing yourself and your mother in front of this whole fucking lobby.
0: He immediately closes his mouth and the woman next to him gives you a- She rolls her eyes and sighs, giving you a look that is very grateful. And then she peers at her companion, looking him in the eyes with a stern look on her face and says, Please be quiet. You're fine. The doctor will put a bandage on it, treat the wound, and we'll be home within the hour. The triage nurse sighs, and she says, okay. Lucky, was it? Oncology wards down that way. Room number two, He says. Try to, uh, try to make it quick. Visiting hours ended at 8 p.m. Uh, Continuing on with
1: her little tirade, she shakes her hand and says, Oh, thank you so much. Your kindness knows no bounds. And as soon as um, she's turned around and is out of eyesight, her face returns to, like, a sullen, bored look. (laughs) And she looks around for exactly where to go.
0: You follow Valerie past the reception desk, making your way through the corridors of the hospital and... You find Lucky in room two of the oncology ward with seven other women. The others are asleep, snoring softly in their beds, the curtains pulled around them. Lucky, though, is awake. She's watching supernatural reruns on a small TV hanging <laughs> over her bed. As you step up to her, you hear a voice from the TV. No, Dean. You have to stake them. Stake them and then put them out in sunlight. That's how you deal with bloodsuckers. Lucky peers at you as she sees you approach. She's aged a lot in the last 20-odd years. Her once red hair is stark white and her face hollow and tired. Her eyes, though, are as sharp as ever. When she speaks, her voice is in a low, weary rasp. So what's this then? Vampires. Oh, good. You here to kill me? You better do it quick,
2: or the cancer will beat you to it. <coughs> no, it ain't like it ain't, it ain't like that. It ain't like that. I
0: remember you," it, it... she says. Tig. Yeah. yeah, you were there that night, weren't you? Yeah. I suppose this is about the poor bloke they pulled out of the wall.
2: Yeah, He always fella. Uh. Yep.
0: Don't suppose you've been down to the bar already? Don't suppose you found too much? Uh, we found a uh,
1: very helpful homeless man who said to say hello. Wilba, I think he said his name was Wilba. Where? Wilba.
0: Sniffle, idiot. <clears throat> used to give him a free beer so he'd piss off and not scare the other customers away. <clears throat> I'm glad you said it. So, what can I do you for? Not sure how much I remember from the night, but I'll rack my brains real hard if I have to.
2: That's what we were hoping and I'm Sorry to disturb you for <sighs> Uh Reflexively, um Valerie
1: pulls out a notebook and a pen and goes directly into journalism mode. Yeah, right, so that's everything
0: Lucky that, has to say.
1: That night, um was there anybody notable who came into the bar, aside from us I mean. Uh anybody rowdy or any any regulars
0: who caused you caused you trouble on a regular basis who were there that night? You finish your question up on the screen. Sam says, Oh, they can pass as human. You have to wait until they strike. That's how you tell them apart. Lucky thinks. And then she says, Rowdy, Rowdy. Oh, there was, there's that bloke in the denim overalls. Uh, He was harassing a bunch of girls. Uh, The one with the camera and a couple other party-goers, and, uh... She looks up and she sees Bouncer there. You put him in his place, though, if I remember. After you spoke to him, he waited for the countdown, and then he left. Didn't bother anyone else. Do
1: you happen to
0: know his name? Was he a regular of any kind? Not a regular, no, but... <coughs> She looks up at Bouncer and she says, What do you think? Reckon he's the one who killed your man? All I'm saying is obvious vampires did it and he doesn't look like he was one of you. What do you do with him if I give you the name?
3: Yeah, he didn't. He didn't seem like he was one of us. He just seemed to be a mortal. So. I find it highly unlikely that he had anything to do with it.
1: You never dismiss a lead until you've got them all.
2: (laughs) Probably ask questions is all. (laughs) Damo, he said his
0: name was, when he ordered his first drink. Didn't see him again after that night.
2: Damo.
4: I remember,
0: remember I carded him. Strokes her chin. Damo. Damien Rogers. Yeah.
2: Shit. Says Tig. have some good memory. I remember everyone who came through memory. my
0: bar. Everyone I've served. She says. Had to be good at remembering faces. Back when I was a hunter. <coughs> That's what makes you a good proprietress tell you what, didn't expect being a vampire hunter would have skills transferable to bartending, but there you go, spent most of me 20s as a hunter. By the time I was 30, there wasn't any point anymore, world made monsters faster than I could kill them, so I put away my stake, and owned a bar instead, I never lost the knack for picking a vamp out of a crowd though, you're not as subtle as you think, most people are just fucking idiots. Um Valerie
2: scares Valentine's her glasses. <laughs> kind of impressed actually. That's a dangerous line of work. You ever run into werewolves? They're kinda of worse though. Shakes her head shakes her head. No, nah,
0: didn't deal with them. They keep to themselves for the most part. Sides so much harder to take down. Bloodsuckers is the real danger. Bad ones anyway. Good ones like you know how to limit themselves. The bad ones that do the damage, as no doubt yeah. you are aware.
2: That's <laughs> what we're here trying to undo. Ah. Look. it's sound. Is there anything we can do for you? Look.
0: Not gonna be much that can. Not gonna be much that's gonna be worth to me at this point. (coughs) I'm just about to shuffle out of here. But I tried real hard to save the bar. That backstabbing bitch in the council chambers sent the inspector around even after I promised to pay a bribe. Person I tried to bribe goes by the name Mark Bradley. He used to come in to sip sip hooray every weekend. Thought that meant something. Apparently not. Soon as he became a counsellor, he forgot all the good times we'd had and set his mind to shutting me down. The counsellor?
1: Interesting. I ran into somebody that night who wanted to talk to some counsellor. Do you remember him coming into the bar that night?
0: You're talking about Cleopatra? Oh, lovely girl. One and the same, love. (coughs) Mark Bradley, counselor, used to moonlight as Cleopatra on the weekends.
1: (laughs) Uh, Valerie just, like, starts for a second,
2: remembering the conversation that they had had together. And how she was hating that Elvis was stealing her attention.
0: Mm. But look... He could be the killer. Wasn't very happy that Alvis was there that night. Thought she'd get a lot of tips on account of it being New Year's Eve. Walked away with just over five bucks in her case.
1: <laughs> to probe you one more time about your uh, speciality. Have you ever gotten a good look at Mark? Did he um look like he wasn't as smart as he thought he was?
0: If he was a vamp he was good at not showing it that said all i know is that whoever killed alvis left two holes in his neck don't have to be a vamp necessarily but i'd say it'd be worth checking out mark bradley even if he's yes. not the one who killed the bloke he's the one who shut down my bar and uh if you could get him to apologize, say nothing personal, then at least I'll be able to shuffle off out of here with no regrets. <laughs> Alright. Uh, this what? is quite the night. Reason he what? shut it down because there's no back door huh? at sip sip Used to be. Fire escape. But I boarded it up to stop people sneaking in. Don't even understand why the council was so upset. What business is it as theirs anyway? <clears throat> Another thing. Mark, fucking Bradley, now you've got me on the topic. He and Alvis, they were always together. That was the first time Alvis had performed there, but he'd been in to drink a few times, and they were always canoodling in the back room, and that's where I found the body. Come to think of it. Then suddenly she looks up at you, opens her mouth, says Oh shit Forget I said that, I mean that's where the Goppers found the body, pulled it out of the wall.
1: I don't think you can just take that back.
0: <laughs> Thank you for the information you want to press her on it?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. How do you want to do it? No, it sounds like you're holding back a little bit. And just because you're in a bed doesn't mean I'm not going to grill you.
0: Go ahead and make me a charisma persuasion check. Add your
2: presence. Yeah, go easy a little bit. She's a, uh, she's, come on, be, be respectful.
0: Uh Successor four. Success four. She got five successes. Ooh. Ooh. She smiles, revealing her yellowed teeth, and she says, <laughs> soft touch ain't gonna work, love. I ain't saying anything more because it don't really matter. I know I'm not the one who killed that bloke and you know, you're not the one who killed that bloke. That's all I'm going to
2: say. Thing is, uh, there's people who know we were there that night. Don't know we're the ones who didn't kill the bloke and they're gonna do some very horrible stuff to us if uh, we don't find out who did. She (laughs) coughs.
4: Sounds
0: like a bloodsucker problem. Not a me problem.
2: Uh. Yeah, I guess.
1: If you want us to to talk to the counsellor and get an apology out of him, you better start playing ball. We've already got the information that we want. So if you want us to do you a favour, you should have to do us one
0: back. She smiles and she says, Look, love. Cancer's going to be dead by the end of the week. I don't really care what happens to you and whether you meet the daylight or not. And quite honestly, I ain't going to be around long enough to care about any debts I owe. But, I know yous have a way of cure in Cancer. And
2: well, well, well. Say. The Hunter wants to become one of the Hunted. Um, is that what she's asking for, or is she asking for... Um, you know, the, uh, the drink. The the J
3: word. Oh, so, either, way, either way, it sounds like yes, she's looking to become one of the things she wants hunted.
0: Yeah, and all of you have been around more than long enough to know that ghouling an ex-vampire hunter, giving her powers and making her able-bodied once again is a big social faux pas. Probably not something (laughs) you'd be bloodhunted over, but you'd certainly have to explain yourselves. And Bouncer and, and, well, Bouncer and Tig, you wouldn't care so much, you'd just have to to give a reason at the next rant if you did that. But Valerie and Mitch, if he was here, are Cam vampires and (laughs) they know they'd be in shit with the Prince for ghouling a vampire hunter without at least consulting one of the Primogen first.
2: Tig shrugs. You sure that's what you want? Keeps me alive Mm -hmm. a bit longer.
0: Maybe even lets me take a few more monsters out of this world. And if you're able to get Mark Bradley to apologize, I might even get to run my bar again.
2: Tiggs uh, Tiggs looks sternly at her and says, See, a wise woman once told me. After I thought I was going to die, then I didn't. The important thing to remember is I don't have to be a monster. And neither do you, eh?
0: Too right, she says. Too right. (coughs) Tig, go ahead and make me a charisma persuasion check.
2: So if you're sure this is really what you want, I'll give it to you. But if there's any doubt in your heart, maybe sit down and have a think, is what I'm saying. Charisma Persuasion, one success on two dice.
0: One success. (laughs) She bites her lip. Yeah. I remember when I told you that. Only words don't ring as strongly when you're staring down the barrel of death, do they? So, you want to know what I know? You give me a hit of that blood,
2: or we're done for the night. Tig wordlessly walks over, picks up uh, what he doesn't realize is a bedpan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Before you well, do since that- start
2: looking at him, he-
0: huh? Before you do that, Tig, I will point out, because I know this is one thing that Bouncer's good at. Bouncer, mm. you could try to daunt intimidate the information out of her if you wanted to.
3: If. I was, yeah, I was thinking about it, but like, how do you intimidate someone on the verge of death? Like, there's not much you can threaten them with. <laughs> well,
0: you know that... Her death's going to be relatively peaceful. She's probably going to pass mm. in her sleep, and you could make it a hell of a lot worse
2: if you wanted to threaten. Yeah. Her. Yeah. But once Riley starts laughing at the bedpan, Tiggle like frown at her, then go and get a like a one of those uh, one shot cups. So
0: Valerie. Even though it's Tig doing this, (laughs) you're working with him on this task and you know that the prince will hold you accountable if she finds out that Tig Gould, a former hunter.
1: Um, Valerie starts writing down some notes about everything that's happening. She doesn't make it clear that she's writing down anything about them, but... She is. She's she's taking very detailed notes about everything that's going on
0: here. Yeah, so she can sell them upriver when the prince finds out. Possibly even before, but they don't know that. Tig returns a few minutes later, holding the bedpan in one hand and the shot glass in the other, and there's a small amount of red liquid at the bottom of the shot glass. Tig, I'd like you to make a rouse check for me, please.
2: And he gets hungrier. He gets and Tix says, Listen, don't go off willy nilly after it's alright. Take some time, think things over. Well, I get my bar back.
0: Maybe I won't have to go hunting monsters, she says. She reaches out a trembling hand, takes the shot glass and downs it. Ah, she says, taking a sip. Her pupils immediately dilate. Her eyes grow bloodshot and colour flushes into her cheeks. Ah, ah, I feel better already, she says. She sits bolt upright in her bed on the TV screen, Dean whispers,
2: that's how they make you,
0: one of them. Them. Alright. I admit... You
4: you know it
0: only stops for a time, right? Enough to put my affairs in order, she says. But maybe we can make this a more permanent arrangement.
2: Ah kind of my responsibility now so I'd rather you didn't like die, you didn't die all of a sudden think you don't want that either so here take hands or a card for the Circle H Ranch Circle
0: H Ranch, interesting you're one of the good ones Tig, she slides the heart under her blankets look, I admit I'm the one who hid the body in the wall I had my own skeletons in the closet. Didn't want to deal with a police investigation. So I'm the one who put him behind the wall. I was going to take him out and hide him somewhere better. Just never got around to it. But when I found him, he was in one of the toilet cubicles, hunched over. Drained of blood. Holes in his neck.
1: Uh, sounds like... Uh... Our counsellor may have uh, jumped on him during that very special evening.
0: Maybe. Hey, look, if he's the one you're looking for, and your lot are going to take him out, maybe uh, just uh, get him to rescind that uh, order he made on my property. See if I can't get it back in my name. Get the bar back up.
1: Of course, you've been as a light, we would be happy to help. And <sighs> Valerie quickly scribbles into her notebook. Uh, Ode One Burn Alley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mark Bradley. <laughs> oh, oh! Before you go, uh, where's your friend? Oh, I'm, I remember the the nerdy looking bloke tried to chat my ear off about multiple world theory or something and the other bloke the kid in the orange hoodie well maybe i'm remembering wrong medicine i'm on ain't the fake stuff that's the damn sure orange hoodie
2: yeah well our uh, our nerdy friend is uh in the mug, unfortunately i don't remember nobody wearing an orange hoodie yeah
0: what? Is sure? you was there somebody uh, else with you? us you sure she says you know, there's the only other vampire in the place aside from you Wait
1: a minute you didn't mention this this is important what what did he look like?
0: Did he speak to you? Did you speak to him? Didn't buy a drink came in and he was gone about 20 minutes later it's a kid youngish. I know. Eighteen, nineteen. If he asked for a drink, I definitely would have carded him. Orange hoodie had it pulled over. Couldn't see his face, but I could tell by the way he was looking through the crowd that he was one to use. Interesting. Um, Don't sorry, get me, wrong. me I still reckon the great and honourable Mark Fucking Bradley is your culprit.
1: Yeah, uh, about that. Oh, for sure. But... Uh, When you came in, did you see the Elvis impersonator, Henry, after that?
0: Oh, Henry... Henry went to the bathroom after the countdown and, come to think of it, didn't see him then until I found his body.
1: Very interesting. I'm glad we stuck around and offered you a drink, of Mm. course.
0: Ha! I'm feeling better already. I want to get out of bed and start prancing around, but... Uh, that uh, had raised too many questions, Uh I'll try and catch some sleep, and if I think of anything else... I'll give you a call.
1: Vali produces her own business card and um, flashes it and uh, like goes to shake um, Lucky's hand and uh kind of stuffs it in there as she shakes. Please call anytime.
0: She retracts her yeah. hand, she looks at the business card, her eyes <laughs> narrow. J-Town Addy. Right for the Addy. Huh. Guess you're chasing a good scoop, eh? Alright. <laughs> I'll give the paper a call should I think of anything. Speak to me and me alone. Got it, he says. Now, get out of here. I missed how this episode was gonna end. I know they was after the guys been turning all the kids in the neighborhood, but I don't know how they dealt with him. Oh, it's always vampires. Oh, of course. But, you know. So
2: by his Fallen Angels.
0: I like to watch shows like this. And see if they know how to hunt properly and... Ah, oh, never mind. It's all Hollywood. They probably would have just staked him and he would have turned to ash before their eyes. Anything else I can do for you? He says. Mm grabbing the remote control, turning off the TV and shuffling in the bed, making herself comfortable.
1: Well, as they say, the night is still young and we have things to do. It's been a pleasure.
2: Well, I reckon we're done here. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lucky.
0: Best of luck. And Tig, remember, you ain't a monster. you got to find
2: the one who is. I ain't a monster, but I still ain't figured out what the fuck to do with myself. What easy is it?
0: So, you turn, make your way towards the entrance of the Oncology Ward, and as you step out into the hallway beyond, you hear Lucky chuckle. <laughs> oh, Bloodsucker's gone soft these days. We cross over to Cross, no pun intended, and, uh, and Mitch who are heading to the morgue for the last scene of this night. So, are you heading straight to the morgue to see the body, or are you going to try to... S- try to... tap contacts, or something like that? Perhaps be going straight to the morgue. Yeah, alright. So the black mercedes pulls into the parking lot of g-town police hq at just after 11 20 p.m the police building is an old red brick double story structure It's across the road from the old train station, and in centuries past it was the old station house served all of the trains that would come through Gateway before the bigger, more modern train station was built in the 1950s. The old station house was turned into an art gallery slash museum, and then around around the start of the 1980s that was decommissioned and the police who were searching for a new headquarters at the time purchased the deed and turned the rickety old station house into their HQ. You're just walking straight into the front door, Cross and Mitch.
4: I mean, that doesn't seem like the
5: best idea, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Cross would be used to being rebuffed as well. I imagine Cross is trying to find a way to just get in without being seen. We both have Obfuscate, do we? Yeah, so Mitch. It. Uh... We do. Cross just has Silence of Death. I mean, that'd help. It would.
0: What does uh, Mitch have? Uh... Silence of Death
4: and Unseen Passage.
0: Yes, you've got both. So, yeah. You briefly step up to step up the front stairs and peer through the front door. And on the other side, you can see an empty looking waiting room. You can just make out some moth-bitten leather-backed chairs and a community board filled with notices and wanted posters. There's a bored looking uniformed constable behind the desk and He's looking down so he doesn't see you standing in front of the door. So you could enter through there, or you could try to find some other way. Or even um, Cross. Yep. What were you gonna say? Finish off? I was gonna say, or you could even enter through the reception and just try to sneak past the guy.
5: Yeah, Cross, um Cross normally goes about breaking into places. Being a bagger, it does this fairly often. Yeah. By just um it, it, it knows to just act casual and like admit it's meant to be there um and then just you know like if you pick it up if you pick a lock in like broad daylight and act like you're meant to be there nobody really questions you um so yeah across is going to just be pulling that kind of thing just taking the door Picking it if necessary and and uh, going cool. on through.
0: A- and Mitch, are you gonna follow Cross? <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: Uh. I think he would use unseen passage to try to not have say, two I people yeah. walking it at the same time. He yeah. would try to be more sneaky about it.
5: So does it feel like Mitch might not be the best at acting casual? <laughs>
0: So, to
4: clarify,
0: Absolutely not. To clarify, Cross, you're going to find an alternate entrance. Pick it if necessary, and Mitch is going to follow Unseen. Uh, yes. yes. All right. So, go ahead, Mitch, make a Rouse check. So how you do that is you just roll a single d10. If it's a success, you do not get hungrier.
5: I'd like to note, by the way, for what this gets rolled on, if it does get rolled on, that Cross isn't really acting natural so much as just just doing it it's just doing it going
0: through the motions yeah
5: because it knows that if you just go then things tend to work out
0: did you get hungrier mitch
4: no that is success
0: okay good and i'll just explain mitch how hunger works is whenever you make a roll you add your amount of hunger. you replace a number of dice in the pool with your hunger so say you have hunger two You'll replace two of the dice in your pool with two hunger dice. I think the bot will do it automatically if you tell it what hunger you're at. So, you turn away from Mitch Cross and Mitch steps into the bushes in the garden bed outside the main entrance and fades away into the darkness. And then... You begin to make your way around the side of the police station, looking for an alternate way in. The old station house has only one alternate entrance. A staff-only... Staff-only door at the very back. You cross through an outdoor... You cross through an outdoor smoking area. There's a couple of... Concrete benches and chairs and a waste basket filled with crushed cans and cigarette butts, but the police are all on duty tonight and the courtyard is thankfully empty. You quickly cross through it, follow the path and come to the thick metal door that serves as the back entrance. Sign reads staff only Beyond this point, the path continues on into the police car park. There are three cruisers parked up against a chain link fence. You reach forwards, Cross, to open the metal door. And of course, find it locked. Go ahead and make a dexterity larceny check for me.
5: And there's a lot of picking bonus, which is obviously applying. Yep. Um, so that's five dice and two successes.
0: Two successes. You lean over, vaguely aware of Mitch watching you. You can feel his gaze even though you can't see him. And then click! You hear the door unlocks, you grab the knob and turn it, pushing the door open, it creaks. <coughs> and lets you into the dusty old station. You make your way down the first corridor, passing by an empty break room, and see a sign hanging on the wall at the end of the hallway, Morgue left, reception right, office right. And now you must simply creep your way to the morgue. So. Mitch, you automatically pass because you're using Unseen Passage. But... Cross, I'd like you to make a Dex Stealth Check and you may add one extra dice for your Obfuscate. Messy five. Messy five. Hmm. Mm.
5: Messy with one die. That's,
0: that's so, fun. Yeah. So, Cross begins to creep down the corridor as quietly as it can. It's footfalls making no noise. As
2: Mitch follows unseen. And you're in a morgue. Yeah. This is compulsion time. Mm, It might be.
0: (laughs) I'm rolling on the table to see what happens. So- Fair enough. You pass by an office at the end of the hallway as you turn left. And as you pass by, taking great care to not be seen, I'd like both the two of you to make wits awareness checks, please. i sure. Uh,
5: good roll. Um, that's six, two successes. And Mitch
0: to walk away Have a look. Lucky dice. Three successes. Yeah, lovely. So as you sneak past the office, out of the corner of your eye, you see two police officers inside. They seem to be the only two on duty. One sitting at his desk in his office chair, swivelling around between... The paperwork on his desk, and the cop standing next to him, who's sitting on the very edge of the desk. And they're deep in conversation. And that bastard Bradley's sucking us dry. Budget cut after budget cut. It's been hell ever since he made it to the city council. Yeah. Did make sure to fix all the potholes, though. And the hospital isn't in code yellow for the first time in years. But at what cost, Clint? What cost? no robot dogs exactly no robot dogs how we expected to work under these conditions you press onwards at one point a female police officer steps out of the women's toilet and starts to starts to make her way towards you Mitch presses himself up against the wall as Cross wordlessly ducks into a nearby utility closet, and she passes without noticing either of you. And then you get to the end of the hall, the morgue. The faded lettering on the wooden door proclaiming its status. Cross steps forwards to push the door open, And as it does so, the doorknob turns, the door creaks. And a chubby looking police officer stands on the other side. He sees Cross standing in the hallway, opens his mouth to say something, and with his right hand reaches for the butt of his weapon. Cross, inside your beast roars. Don't let them see you! You can't be seen. You can't be seen. That would be unprofessional, and it would draw heat to everyone. Your beast takes over. You rush forwards, pressing your hands against the man's neck, knocking him to the ground. And as he hits the floor with a gasp, you sink your long nails into his neck, silencing him as he bleeds to death bleeds out in front of you and the blood pours over the front of your shoes. Your beast growls once more. <sighs> and then it calms and the anxiety lifts. I would like Cross to add a stain, please, for your messy yes, critical. It's quite the
2: opening.
5: Quite the opening messy.
0: Yeah. Uh. But see, the way I see it, is Cross doesn't particularly care about taking life after all death is just another state of being so Cross wouldn't think twice about quickly dispatching someone who's in their way if that's the quickest and most efficient option would you agree
5: uh yeah it wouldn't really care um but that was very messy
0: <laughs> yeah and it's going to have to deal with it So now you're in the morgue, and it's not much of a morgue. G-Town police station is by no means cutting edge. And this morgue is an old workshop that's been converted into a workspace for the medical examiner. There's a single gurney out in the middle of the tiled room and lying upon it is the mummified corpse of Elvis. The wig is obviously missing, and the rhinestone sudded suit has been removed. It's folded neatly on a desk a couple inches away from the gurney. There's a single corpse drawer Embedded in the wall just beyond the gurney, but Aside from that the room is empty and there's barely enough room for the two of you to move around without bumping into each other What would you like to do?
4: Um That's a good question. Cross, you're the one who's uh, perhaps more interested in this sort of thing. If you would like oh, to look, I could take notes.
5: Cross yeah. would definitely be going straight to inspecting. I, frankly, I was waiting to see if Mitch might have a reaction to me feeling an innocent. But um,
4: oh, oh, he's not happy about that. But that's yeah, that's in the back of the mind while we're currently in <laughs> the situation.
0: As Vince, <laughs> that's good as Vince. As Vince materializes, as Mitch materializes and begins rifling through the coroner's papers on the small desk in the corner, you distinctly register the frown on his face, the look of annoyed inconvenience. So, Mitch, would you like to look through the reports that have been left here while Cross examines the body? Yes. Make notes. The okay. uh, and
5: concept of Vincent Merriweather appearing at a nowhere.
0: Yeah. So Cross, go, <laughs> go ahead and make for me an intelligence medicine check. And I mm-hmm. will also ask Mitch to make an intelligence academics check. Can I do science biology? Yeah, you can do science biology if you want. That'll also uh, three. work. Uh, three. Three. All right. And we'll see how Mitch goes
4: messy
5: critical five and obviously C- cross is going to be switching to yeah uh more supernatural methods in a second
0: messy critical
2: Ooh, so messy Larry, <laughs>
0: as you materialize and step over the bleeding corpse mitch your beast your beast chitters in the back of your mind oh, not good not good not good that man was a variable there were 500 million timelines that hinged on that man's existence. Now gone, snuffed out of existence. Parts of reality irreversibly destroyed. This is not good. This is not good and will need to be dealt with. Contingencies will need to be made. And your compulsion activates. The Malkavian compulsion, of course, is delusion. The Malkavian's extrasensory gifts running wild, you experience what might be truths or portents, but what others call figments of imagination, dredged up by hunger. While still functional, your minds and perceptions are skewed. You receive a two-dice penalty to all roles involving dexterity, manipulation, composure and wits, as well as on roles to resist terror frenzy for one scene. Begin to rifle through the papers left on the desk and the words on the page shift and change before your eyes. Mathematical equations seem to lift off the page and the numbers detach, forming into black particles that swirl around you. You're not even aware of Cross, who's made their way, made its way over to the corpse and is conducting its examination quickly, efficiently, going through the motions like a machine. Cross, the victim is Alvis. The king is dead. Again. The body is mummified (laughs) and is in remarkably good condition easy for you to determine that the victim's throat was punctured with two sharp blades, or fangs, and the body drained of blood. If it was a vampire, it's sloppy work. Possibly someone's very first kill. There's some weird oily resin in the face. It's not flesh. Skin itself is leathery like leather stretched thin over bones but what's on the face is not organic you pick a chunk of it off rub it through your fingers and it takes a few seconds for you to finally realize what it is silicon silicon after it's been exposed to years of decay and rot Alvis has had plastic surgery, extensive plastic surgery done on his face to make him look more like the king. Meanwhile...
5: Didn't realise we were playing Cyberpunk.
0: Mitch is rifling through the reports on the desk, the evidence that's been gathered by the police, the fruits of their ongoing investigation the first you find is a crime scene report the victim had been stuffed into the walls behind the men's bathroom no useful dna evidence could be gathered after the demolition crew they were undertaking the destruction of the bar discovered the body they thought it was an old halloween decoration and carried it around to take photos with it those photos are included in the report men in high-vis vests and yellow construction helmets posing with the mummified corpse wrapping their arms around its shoulder and flashing thumbs up to the camera waving in addition there are some blurry photos of the night in question including quite disconcertingly A number which feature you and the other members of the Coterie. And others which show the victim. All of them blurry, the composition not quite right. The flashing lights and the moving bodies causing the images to devolve into a mess of blur and colour. According to the report, the photos have been sourced from the Facebook page of someone by the name of April Harrington. It's not currently active. Finally, there's a thumb drive wedged under the papers. Handwritten label simply reads footage. Take a moment, Mitch, and prop up the laptop there on the desk next to the pile of papers. Thankfully it's been left logged in by the last user. You plug the thumb drive in, quickly navigate to it and begin to scan through the security footage of the night in question. Go ahead and make for me an intelligence investigation check but you'll have two penalties on this. So remove two dice from your dice pool thanks to your... Actually, make a wits investigation. Remove two penalties because your compulsion gives you a penalty on wits rolls.
2: Now... I will bust in as a rules monkey and say, that if you wanted to risk rousing your blood, you could get, had two bonus dice, which would counteract that.
0: Yes. You can also at any time, rouse the blood to get two bonus die to a roll. But that'll risk well, making you hungrier.
2: It does last the scene. You'll be boosting scene. your wits. Yeah.
4: With the minus two dice, I have no dice in that pool. So you just have I only have m- two wits.
0: Yeah. Do you have any investigation? No. So you'd just have one Ooh. dice. So I, thought I have a lot of that, sir. So. Yeah, but you're examining the body, which takes a bit longer. Mm. Um Okay. So would you like to rouse your blood to increase it to three to counteract your compulsion? Mm. Up to you. It might not yeah. be worth it. it. Might not be worth it.
4: I don't think it would be worth it, especially since Mitch is already panicking with yeah. his compulsion. I don't think he would yeah. think to do that. I don't think
0: he would. Go ahead and roll the one dice. It's, a, it's success. One success? Lovely. So you're scanning through the footage, watching it at five times speed, watching people enter and exit, sip, sip, hooray, zooming in and out.
4: Zzz, zzz.
0: You see the footage of your entire coterie entering shortly after Alvis does. Skipping to the end of the footage, Alvis does not return. You scrub through the footage several times, increasing the speed, decreasing, freeze frame, lingering on various moments. And here and there, there are things in the footage that aren't quite right people whose faces blur and turn into staticky fuzz on screen, strange shadows that are longer than they should be, unaccountable variables as your compulsion tries to mix the products of your mind in with the truth. But, after watching the end of the footage, several times, you're able to piece together what's true and what's not. You discard the people with the fuzzy faces. You filter out the shadows and you watch. As the timestamp in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen ticks over. You all... You see you and the other members of your coterie entering at exactly... 11.31, 11.31, then suddenly it's 12.06, and the patrons are beginning to exit, to party in the streets, missing time, the footage has been tampered with. You close the program and rip the thumb drive out of the laptop. Mitch. Are you going to steal this thumb drive?
4: Yes, he's going to just slip it into his his pocket
0: slips it into his pocket and then peers over at Cross, who's just finished conducting its investigation, muttering to itself, mm, I'm mm, plastic surgery on the face and Cross stands up, faces you. Your investigations are conducted. Is there anything else you'd like to do? What did you get?
4: Well, the the footage, the, the security footage, there's a gap in the time between 11.31 and 12.06. So clearly someone or something has cleared the footage. I'm kind of beginning to wonder if I should have ordered something different that night. Why? I think things changed
5: because of what you ordered. Yes. I I I don't I don't understand.
4: Mitch just kind of sighs and to save everyone the- the long-winded explanation, he starts rambling about multiverse theory and how he feels that his drink choice that night, butterfly affected, into them being there at this moment, at this time.
0: And as you explain it, your eyes drift over to... the dead police officer. Blood still pooling around his severed neck on the floor another life discarded at your feet all because of that choice you made that night all because you chose ale instead of lager on Lucky's recommendation
5: I think as um, uh, as Mitch goes over this Cross will just sort of listen blankly and then completely distracted by this start like googling like many worlds theory yeah and
0: and like before long
5: dozens upon dozens of tabs are open in its phone
0: and as you look up mitch is just finishing his explanation and then he peers down the body at his feet. And he says, "And now, another unknown variable that we have to fit." What would you like to do?
5: I think, uh, yeah, that 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 pulls cross out of searching, and it's like, look, I got I got to look this up more, but uh. Why would it be the drink?
4: I think the better question is why wouldn't it be the drink?
5: Well, why not what you said to somebody on the night, or like I don't know whether you took a shit
4: What do vampires typically do that? (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, alright, maybe not the shit.
4: <laughs> Look, the point is that now we have another dead body on our hands and we should probably get out of here after you tell me what you found.
5: Yeah, I... We sh- we should do that. Uh, yeah, right, what I found. Um, oh, okay. Uh. I have found out that this guy, Uh. he he got a lot of plastic surgery to make himself full clay. uh I, I think he's called elvis pour your time see uh, my, my read there is is that um anyone crosses age would know who elvis is this is a cross thing yeah, no, not an yeah, age thing cross <laughs> thing.
0: yeah um this is-
5: Sorry, what was the other limits. information I got? Yeah, that I got that, sidetracked on that sidetrack. Yeah,
0: that the main that the main information you got was that he'd had extensive plastic surgery and whatever whatever killed him was sloppy enough that it, it it's very sloppy work. If this was a vampire, it could have it was probably done in frenzy, or cross your mind flashes back a night six months ago, struggling body in your hands. Terrified screams of agony. Your fangs sink into someone's throat. This could have been somebody's first kill. Shake your head, spelling the memory.
5: You you'd see Cross sort of screwing its eyes shut, and uh, you, you see it sort of raking its nails up and down its left arm quite uh, frantically as it um, it seems to get quite um, even more neutral affect than normal. It's like. Uh, yeah two two wounds on the neck uh messy could have been blades could have been teeth uh didn't look like it was a clean job uh yeah
0: at your feet the body gurgles <coughs> as blood pools around the severed throat. And now there's another masquerade breach, another body slashed in the throat. What would you like to do to deal with this?
5: I'm thinking... The cross... Okay, hang, actually, hang on. We haven't played a scene that we're going to be playing at some point, but how do you reckon Cross would have dealt with the body that you and I both know
0: about? Well, do you have the Oblivion ability that turns flesh into ash? I don't think you do. I do not. Yeah, so I think Cross would consider bodies just a vessel. A vessel for what remains after death. And when the vessel isn't used anymore, it's just discarded and... Cross would totally be the type who would just dump a body in a bin and forget about it. Masquerade counted there. Yeah, but Cross is young enough that it may not fully hem to that. Appreciate the
5: yeah the gravity of the situation. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah, Cross would be um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, slipping on some more gloves, um, trying to stem any blood flow, and, uh, it, it'd probably be looking for something it can find to put the body on to drag it away rather than having to lift it itself.
2: Yeah. So- Yeah. Yeah.
5: There you go. Good thought for it, really.
0: So I'd like you to make, uh, an intelligence medicine check, please, Cross. Can do. Uh, can I do biology again? Uh, no, this would be medicine because you're going to stem the bleeding. That's a shame, okay. Um, two successes. Two successes. Take one last look at Mitch as he peers down at the body and then moving, going through the motions, you kneel down, reach into your kit. Pull out several pieces of fabric and use them to stem the bleeding, simultaneously scrubbing the blood from around the man's neck. And then, once you've wrapped a string of thick fabric around its neck, you stand up, make your way to the cadaver drawer in the wall, pull it open, whoosh, and as you pull it open, dust flies up, hitting you in the face. As it suddenly occurs to you, with the layer of dust and the rust on the cadaver slab, it's not been used in years. Okay.
5: Yeah. That works.
0: Gesture for Mitch to come and help you, and he shrugs, sighs, rolls his eyes, and the two of you grab the chunky cop by his underarms, hoist him up, drag him over to the cadaver slab, and lay him down with a loud metallic clunk. And then you exchange glances as. I think. Yep. I think Kras would also take
5: this opportunity to siphon off some blood. Yeah into a spare
0: bag. Reach once more into your kit. Pull out a plastic bag. Pop it open and hold it up against the wound on the neck, letting a few dregs of blood drain down into it. And when you've got as much, got about as much blood as you're going to get, you zip up the bag, nonchalantly drop it back into your kit, and then lean over and lick the wound on the neck sealing the damage made by your sharp nails
5: and as uh, as cross does this you see it very visibly a wretch
0: then you look over at Mitch with a look of obvious disgust on your face and turn away as Mitch steps forwards and slides the slab back into the drawer, slamming the metallic door shut. Clang. You grab the padlock off the desk, slide it through the loop, snap it shut. And the corpse is laid to rest. And with that, the first night's investigations come to an end. It's relatively easy. You <laughs> Relatively easy to get out of the old police station and you meet no resistance on the way out. You decide to reconvene at a par just on the edge of downtown. Fill each other in on what you've found. And then before you know it Time to retire. The revelers, the party goers, they're like you. They instinctually feel the sun slowly making its way towards the edge of the horizon. And as the grey twilight sinks over the city, they begin to scurry home like insects fleeing the coming light. And you with them. Two nights to go, two more nights, and then someone has to meet their final death. Whether it's one of your coterie, the person who you've framed, for the grisly murder, or the true culprit, if you can find them. The game is afoot. The clock is ticking. And you have two more nights to prove your innocence. Thank you for playing. Next session, we will continue on. See what more of the mystery you can uncover. See what clues you can divulge. And if you can finally put them all together to determine who killed the king 21 years ago on New Year's Eve 1999. This has been Who Killed the King? Part 1 first session of Lords of G-Town I have been your storyteller Dale or Dark Geyer and I shall see you once again next time when the sun departs over the bay the shadows grow longer and the kindred of G-Town stir once more